Austin Howard served seven years in the U.S. Navy, including two years in the Honor Guard at Arlington National Cemetery. We had a great conversation discussing the benefits of military service, how modern social changes have impacted the military, and even touched on some advice for those getting out of the military and those considering joining. Thanks for listening to Initial Success. Austin, thanks for joining me, man. How you doing? Good, man. How are you? Thanks for having me on here. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, I'm doing great. We wanted to talk about uh, our military experience a little bit, as well as what it's like getting out. Um, so why don't we start with a little bit of your backstory, um, where you're from and where'd you join from and everything? Yeah. So I was uh, born and raised in like a small town, uh, Lima, Ohio. It's like the middle of nowhere in Ohio. Not much to do out there. I feel like most people you meet in the military were either from like one of three places, California, Texas, or Ohio. Uh, but I uh, joined, I wasn't the typical, like right out of high school, 18 year old kid. I joined when I was 21. So I went to college first a little bit, kind of got that thing. And then I ended up joining the big event for me. Why I joined was kind of right after the Boston marathon bombing. Oh, okay. So like, obviously I think nine 11, I was only in like fifth or sixth grade. So that like event, didn't really, I mean, it affected me, right? I was a kid, but the big event for me was like when I saw the Boston Marathon bombing, like I was like, okay, cool. Like I'm joining. Nice. Uh, so then I went to the recruit. I went to, I probably, I think I went to every recruiter, but the army recruiter. <laughs> like, <laughs> I literally went to everybody. And was like, Any particular reason? Uh, yeah. I don't know. I think it just had a, probably like a stigma. Like people were like, and the army people out there hopefully aren't mad at me, but like, they're like, oh, they're the dumb kids. <laughs> like, <laughs> like stay, stay away from them. Yeah, come right? on, those are the Marines. Uh, yeah, like, don't go to them. And then I had a buddy that was a Marine, so he kind of got me to go talk to them. Uh, and then it was kind of mainly between, like, the Air Force and the Navy. Uh, and then ended up choosing the Navy and tried to, of course, I feel like if, like everybody like wanted to be a SEAL, right? And so did that whole thing, did the PST. I passed everything but the swim. Like, I just... I can swim, but I guess not well enough. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up not passing the swim. Um, so I ended up going in, as you probably know, undesignated. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I got the the good old undesignated uh, designation uh, throughout boot camp, whatever. But um, luckily, I guess I'm tall, so I got a really good opportunity while I was in boot camp to go to the honor guard. Oh, okay. In DC. So basically, how that worked was, I guess my my RDCs, as they call it, in Navy boot camp, really liked me. So when they the recruiters came for the honor guard, they said, uh, or my RDCs, like, hey, you're going to want to go to this meeting. And I was like, what? He's like, you don't want to be undesignated. He like gave me that look. It was like, you don't want to be undesignated, man. Go to this meeting. <laughs> and I was like, okay. Like, I had no idea what the That's honor. some good advice. Yes, Strange. Definitely. Yeah. Like, uh, but he was also like, uh, he was an ex, like, SWIC guy. Okay. That switched to be like an IC. So, like, um, it's like internal communications. So, basically, when you're on a ship, they set up all the comms. Okay. Um, but he was previously SWIC before he hurt his knee. So, he, like, knew, like, I was one of the fit guys in boot camp. Like, he, he, he like, he caught me, I think, working out extra. And, like, so he was, he was very strict but like behind closed doors you could tell he was like that cool guy that like he saw the potential yeah and he's like all right like look like i like this guy so shout out to him like appreciate that very much because he definitely like changed my career for the better uh so then after boot camp i had to stay in rtc great lakes for like a week before i shipped out um to dc which is where like the honor guard is um so the honor guard and i guess for people who don't know either is like uh 
you do all the funerals for all the fallen uh, in the Arlington Cemetery. So the main one is like the army is the main branch. That's the one, like, I guess the face of it that everybody sees. Right. Because they're doing um, like the Tomb of the Unknown. Those are the ones that do the Tomb of the Unknown. That's just the army? Yeah, it's just the army. I didn't know that. Yeah, so it's an only army thing. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we had, we actually had a guy write a letter. He really wanted to do it as the Navy. He was like, wanted to be the first one. So he wrote a letter to, I don't know if it was Congress or to a specific Senator or whatever. And he tried to get permission to be like the first not army, like person to go like basically patrol the tomb of the unknown and of getting denied. But he got like the official deny letter, like on the (laughs) presidential seal and everything. Like, so it was cool. Like still the fact that he got denied, like was still pretty cool. Sure. Um, But then, yeah, so I got to DC and uh, got to do that for two years, which was like incredibly humbling, but one of the best experiences ever. Like I probably got to do so much really cool stuff that I don't think a lot of people like realize you can do in the military. Yeah. Um, and then you have like specialties uh, within that platoon. So I was a casket bear. So basically like I was on the team that carried the casket or an urn if it was an urn. Um, and then we would do the flag fold and pass it off to the family and give them like the... Um, the actual, there's like a spiel that you give to your, uh, to the next of kin, basically right. when you hand them the flag. Yeah. Um, so we, you would do that. And then, so like that famous picture of, uh, of that little boy that's receiving that flag, you know yeah. what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 So you were doing that. Yep. We were doing that. And so yeah, that's you, heavy, man. It is. So you would get a lot of like, yeah, you're just, and you can't break. So a lot of our training was like, I think there's a, the Air Force has a funny one that they do. They're trying to, it's called like tightness training is what we called it. Mm-hmm. So they have one where they like, it was a, it was like a squeaky chicken that they would walk behind and they're just trying to do funny things like in your training to make sure that you can hold your composure no matter what and keep that thousand yard stare, no tears, no, no laughing, no smiling, like nothing. So the training for that is actually pretty extensive surprisingly like you're going through like i can only imagine it has to be right because that's probably one of the saddest things that anyone can do is to you know have to honor you know someone's next of kin of you know their their fallen loved one and i mean how how tell tell me about that like how how does that feel uh i mean in the moment like i think you get this like jaded personality as like a military guy right so you get like that dark sense of humor and so if you saw us a lot, right, you would be like, we kept it together around the family, but like before the family shows up, um, they have what's called like an Arlington rep. It's like, um, somebody at Arlington national cemetery where their only job is to basically like be a rep. So it is actually pretty cool. So, um, like if I had a family member that died and I couldn't go to the cemetery or like say I had an anniversary or it was the person who died's birthday or something like that, you can call that Arlington rep. They're your rep for life. And they'll go and they'll put like a wreath or they'll put flowers and take pictures for you and send it to the family. So it's a very cool program. I don't think like people really realize, but yeah, they get like the families get assigned a rep. Um, But that rep is cool because they will call like our leader, our platoon sergeant, whoever's in charge. And they'll be like, Hey, like the family's on the way. So when we get that call is when we're like, all right, cool. Now we snap our fingers, kind of turn it on. Yeah. Everybody like you're not moving. But prior to that, we're all kind of like laughing, joking. Sure. Um, because you have to keep it light, right? Like if you were just too serious the whole time, then it would start to weigh on you and you would be like, oh, my gosh, like I've done seven funerals today. Like would it be that many? Oh, yeah. I mean, most it was probably it was four to six a day. Wow. No matter what. Like we had people. I had a little bit of a break because I broke my ankle. But like most people who no injuries, anything would average about a thousand in their two years that were there. 
Jesus. Yeah. So that's a lot. Yeah, it's a ton of funerals, and you're like getting cramped in. And yeah, and the first one's usually like when the sun comes up, so like seven thirty, eight o'clock, and your last one's about four or five o'clock. <sighs> and then yeah, you get like maybe some time for lunch again, depending on how many they're trying to squish in there. And it was usually just one team, so we would have one team of uh, well, we did eight, but some of the services do six. Okay, excuse me. Uh, so like we had four on each side, but some of the services only do six guys um, with their flag fold and with their carry and stuff. So obviously just more you have to carry um, and then different responsibilities on the flag fold and stuff. But again, super cool. Like I wouldn't change that. If I could have stayed there my entire seven year active duty career, I would have. Like I loved it. It was really yeah, was it rewarding. It was very rewarding. And you just got to I mean. I don't know what people feel about DC or if people who've like never been to DC, especially like in the military, you're around so many like high ranking people. Like, I mean, we did so many ceremonies at the white house. Like I had friends, like I met the president, I met Obama when he was uh, in office. I've had friends that met, um, or that met Obama as well. And like got to eat lunch or eat lunch with him. And then when Biden was the vice president at the time, got to eat like, I think it was Thanksgiving or Christmas, but they invited like our specific command. So you had so many people that got to go like eat lunch with them and stuff. And, and it was cool. That's uh, a unique opportunity right there. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. crazy. And like, and then when I got hurt with my broken ankle, I got to, uh, drive like an admiral around. So like one of my flag letters account. Yeah. I was basically like a glorified chauffeur, but nice. it was still, it's like cool. Cause you're getting like at least higher ups and getting to just, I guess you're schmoozing, but it, it's cool to just see that side of it, right? Like we hear right. about the politics, you hear about the schmoozing that goes on in DC and all that, but you kind of like are on the outside of it. Cause again, a lot of these high profile events, like we're at, cause you have to have a presence. So another thing that we did was, uh, anytime a foreign dignitary comes over, it's called, they do a wreath ceremony. Okay. Um, and it's a joint ceremony. So basically what they'll do is they, go to the tomb of the unknown and they'll lay a wreath. Basically it's their shot, their sign of like showing respect to us and like our military. Right. So that is a huge thing that like, you'll get up at like, Oh man, I think we got up at like two or three in the morning and you're there at like four in the morning because you're running through walkthroughs the whole time. Mm, Cause it's gotta be like perfect. It's, the yeah. timing and everything. Yeah. And then like, dude, are you like, our uniforms get inspected daily, but that inspection, cause you're not just getting inspected by your platoon. Now you're getting, cause the army is the head of everything. So you're getting inspected by your people, but then the army's walking through when you're at the thing, like looking at you too, like, Hey, don't look like a, a bag of crap or whatever yeah. walking around either. So you get just, you got all the eyes on you. Um, and then, uh, if you've never been to like the tomb of the unknown where the actual tomb is, it's almost like, I guess like a little amphitheater. It's like you have the tomb, you have, um, Below it is like steps and then it goes into like a, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like an aisle. You know what I'm saying? Okay. Got like bushes on all, all those sides. It's yeah. Like, yeah. Uh, so it, it, you steps down and it's yeah, basically like an aisle. Mm -hmm. uh, and then you, so what will happen is, and then there's like a parking lot where the dignitary, usually accompanied by like the president or some other high ranking official, they'll come up and they'll walk and we have um, a cordon basically with right. it's a joint cordon. Uh, with like all 50 state flags and a bunch of different things and we're just holding it for them. So depending on when they get there, man, we could be standing at attention and parade rest on and off for like five or six hours. Wow. And you can't move and you can't like, but they call exercise you. So you go from uh, attention to parade rest mm -hmm. and yeah, and it's just this whole ordeal. But again, super cool. Like I've got to go 
the admiral that I was with one day got to throw out like the first pitch at a game. So I got to like see Derek Jeter and be on the field. Oh, for all nice. of that. Yeah. And just tag along. <laughs> cool, like, cool. Small perks. Small yeah, perks. exactly. So a lots of like really cool stuff. Um, but then it was only two years. So that time comes to an end. Yeah. Unfortunately. But, and still to this day, like my closest friends in the military were from that unit. That like, makes sense. Everything. And not, again, I don't know if it's cause we're all young. And it's like our first duty station kind of thing. So you get that camaraderie or because of what we did or a mix of both. But yeah, those guys are like, my guys still like, I'd do anything oh, yeah. for them. Like they call, like I'm dropping it, whatever, and getting to them. And uh, a lot of us, yeah, like we still have that really tight, tight knit, like family community lifestyle. Yeah. Yeah, um, for sure. I, I have the same kind of bond with at least one of my first platoon members. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's, he's a brother to me. I mean, there's literally no difference between him and any family that I have, you know, and I think a part of it is that first duty station, that first platoon or first group you're with, because you're all trying to figure it out at the same time, you know, and you just get to know them so damn well, Mm -hmm. you know, and I'm sure probably even more so for you, because you're just, I mean, day in and day out for (laughs) so many hours of the day, like, how can you not? Yeah, but I mean, you, you had like combat experience and stuff, so you get, you get that. Yeah. That part of it, right? Yeah. And funny enough, when he was, he was visiting recently and, um, we talked about that, how, you know, it's, uh, it's tough. It's tough trying to fill that hole because he actually ended up taking orders here, mm-hmm. um, primarily because I was stationed here. Um, and after he left, you know, it left a void and look, I have great friends in this area, mm-hmm. but it's, it's not the same. And I think a big part of that is that as close as I can get to any friend that I, that I make in the future, Mm -hmm. there's something unique about someone that I have risked my literal life with, you know, and have gone through hell and back with not just, not just the deployment itself, but also dealing with all the family issues that go along with it, you know, like being able to confide in someone through the darkest parts of my life, mm-hmm. you know, and that's not easily replaceable right. if at all, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so shout out to him and it's, uh, it's definitely a unique bond that I don't think, I don't think there's any other way to really get. No, definitely. And like, that was something when I first got out, I struggled with so much and I didn't do combat like you and a lot of other people, um, like obviously I deployed, but in the Navy, if you're not in specific things, you're not going to combat. So I don't have that, but that brotherhood was something I was looking for. Cause even though you're in the military and you're not deployed, like there's still that risk, right? Like it's still like, Hey, I could get deployed or I, something could happen even on a ship. Like I think we've seen it. Like there was ships oh, yeah. that were attacked or, um, that we, unfortunately like the Navy crashed into people and like the Navy does lose people like on yeah. different things. So it, that risk is there. So for me, when I got out, the first, I got out in 2019. So those first couple of years, man, I struggled, like struggled trying to figure out like where I fit in and like having a family and like, cause I, um, my wife was born and raised in California. So when I got out, we tried there for a couple of years and, uh, yeah, man, that was probably one of the most difficult things, like transition parts. Like I know people struggle with a lot of different things when they get out, but that was like, I think that's what 
pushed me into law enforcement because I was like, man, like if I'm going to do something, like I want that feeling back. Like yeah. I want that feeling of like my brotherhood, like I like cool, like we're in this together. We have skin in the game kind of thing. Like yep. stakes are high. Yeah. Like stakes are high. Like you got my back. I got yours kind of thing because just like normal jobs didn't do it for me. Like sure. I did. I did a bunch of different like odd jobs. Like I was a... Uh, I like clean pools for a while when I got out. I did like I was a case manager for like homeless veterans and tried to help them out and like do that aspect. And like nice. I just I tried a bunch of different things and it, I was like person I got into personal training, all these kind of different things, but I just never felt fulfilled. Right. And it was I think a lot of it was that similar aspect of like, man, like how do I get that brotherhood back? Yep. Like how do I get these people? Cause it's different too. Like, again, I love my wife to death, but there's things that I feel like are a burden on her. If I would try to like talk to her about, about my military service. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And yeah, I mean, I, I share the same sentiment because but you know, I I'm as close to my wife as I can be to any other human being. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously yeah. you know, we, we see each other in the deepest of depths and the highest of highs mm -hmm. and everywhere in between day in and day out. And that's a whole nother type of bond. Absolutely. But there are certain things that, you know, not just, it's, I think it's, it's not just the fact that they didn't experience it or whatever, but there is a little bit, and not to get too deep into it, but, you know, there's a, there's a male camaraderie and a female mm -hmm. relationship and there's something different about it, you know? there's something about like you were saying that dark sense of humor, maybe, you know, mm -hmm. and, and cause sometimes you got to get some things off your chest and you don't want emotional support. Maybe you just, maybe you do need to just get it out there and crack a joke about it. I mean, some of the, some of the best moments that I've had is, is, you know, when I'm, I'm, I'm feeling I'm, I'm in my feels, you know, mm -hmm. And then my buddy is like, yeah, but blah, blah, blah. And he'll like cry, make me laugh in that moment. And I'm like, all of a sudden it takes you out of that moment. You get a little bit of perspective and you're like, all right, but I'm here now. And, you know, it, it makes it okay. You know, it makes it bearable, mm -hmm. you know, and, um, you know, that's not, that's, that. It, there's just certain unique things that, you know, even a wife can't fulfill. Yeah. I mean, it's just the way it is. It's unfortunate. I wish, I wish I, I wish it was different. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I wish I could just lay it all out. But also for me with my wife, she's very emotional, mm -hmm. right? Very, and not in a negative sense. She's no. just very, she's very empathetic too. Mm -hmm. And if I were to lay out everything that's going on in my mind based on what happened in the past, mm -hmm. that would be such a, it would probably be more of a burden on her than it is on me. Yeah. And Absolutely. I don't ever want to pass that off onto anyone else, mm -hmm. but someone that's experienced it with me understands that and they don't take it on as a burden. Right. They're just like, Hey, I feel you. I, I get what's going on. I've been there, you know, whatever it is. And I think that's just a, another piece of the puzzle that, uh, that we all need. Yeah. And like my wife is, she's talked to me about, it. she's like, you know, you can tell me. And I'm like, and it's, it's like, but I don't think I can. Like, again, it's like, and it's, I'm not trying to be the big macho man or whatever, but it's like, I'd rather just deal with it on my own yeah. than try to go to you. Or again, if like, absolutely, again, I'll call my buddies and be like, hey man, I'm struggling with this today. And I think even as men, man, especially military men in today's day and age, it is hard. I mean, I think it's slowly getting easier. There are a lot more services out there yeah. and it is becoming a lot more open to talk to people, especially when you're in and stuff. I know they're, they're pushing that uh, in, in the military now, but like, 
people love their job, right? Like, so you're so terrified. Like I had a top secret security clearance and all this. So like, I was terrified that if I said something about having a bad day or something, like they're going to yank my security clearance yeah, and then yeah, cool. Yeah. And then I'm right back to a square one where I started and mm-hmm. back to being undesignated and trying to figure out what I'm going to do again or something. You know what I mean? And yep. I'm sure it was the same way with you, right? Like you have to stay deployable. So yeah. if you, you have something come up, like they may take your gun from you or take whatever tools that is necessary. So you just create this hard shell just to keep things in because you feel like you have to. Yep. I actually got screwed by that rule once, um, coming back from my first deployment. Um, I I don't know what it was about the personalities or whatever, um, not to get too much into it, but basically someone reported to someone that they heard me say something along the lines of, I felt like, I felt as though I was, uh, a, um, they didn't say threat. Um, something about, you know, harm to myself or others. Like they right? probably heard you make a joke or something, right? So and not even that they weren't even with me. Oh really? Yeah. At the, like it, well, I, I, I spoke to them a few times, but whatever, but they basically interpreted what I was saying as, as some kind of like hinting towards suicidal ideation or something like that. Oh gosh. And it, it went haywire. Like I got back from deployment. Um, I actually got sent home early from deployment. Um, they weren't an EOD tech with you, were they? They were like a support op, right? It was an EOD tech. No way. Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. It's in the past. It's okay. all good. <laughs> okay. It uh, definitely shaped part of my life, but whatever. <laughs> oh um, man. But yeah, but when I got back, yeah, I wasn't I wasn't allowed to handle any firearms. Um, I actually wasn't even allowed to. Uh, supervise any dives or like handle any kind of life, life support equipment, anything like that, because did they investigate the policy. Like, did they like actually like Not talk to really, you? they had me like go see like a therapist or something like that. And I kind of just explained the situation. And after one session, even, even the therapist was like, so this, the ther- doesn't, so this the, doesn't make any sense. The therapist, wait, so the therapist doubled down on the other person's or no, he no, took no. your side? The therapist took my side and they're like, yeah, we don't see any issues here. What's but then going they still on? kept you away from everything? No, I eventually got all my oh, okay. qualifications back and all my, you know, authority okay. to do whatever. That makes me feel better then. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, that was months of my life. Oh yeah. I, I don't remember For how sure. long it was, but it was a long time where I, I, I couldn't, couldn't do a damn thing for my actual job. I mean, as an EOD tech, like oh, yeah. everything we do is in some way, shape or form related to, you know, life support or, Absolutely. or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I, I basically couldn't do my job for months. That's crazy. Like your own person kind of like, I get it if you're like an actual, like, cause there are things, right? Like we have those classes, like the suicide prevention classes and stuff. Sure. So they, and especially more now, cause was it uh, still the 22 veterans a day that are committing suicide? Which yeah. it, it really is a huge thing. And you know, like I had for sure. a buddy that, at that, at that command I told you about, he tried taking his own life. Oh, wow. Yeah. He, uh, I think he, uh, shot himself kind of in the head and was just ready to end it. And luckily he survived. Um, cause again, if you're not unfamiliar with bullets, they do crazy things. So, yeah. uh, he ended up, yeah, missing like all the vital stuff and he's in sur- the head. Yeah. He survived. Wow. Um, but yeah, it was a huge like shock to all of us. Cause he was always this like happy go lucky, like dude, we like, we always like picked on each other. Like I would have never, ever thought like that, that, but again, maybe he was struggling with the same stuff that we that we were struggling with, like when I sure. left that unit. So he left that unit and had to go to the what we called the real navy, right. and probably didn't like it either. And again, it just because everybody has different jobs and goes different ways, and it's just one of those things that yeah, he probably just really struggled with. But 
So yeah. he attempted suicide at the command you were at or no, after? He, he, uh, it was after. Oh, so okay, like okay, after okay, we were yeah. all, like, I think I was already out. I think I want to say it was like 2019, like closer when I first got out. Like, and I don't have social media. Um, and, but all my friends texted me and were like, Hey man, did you hear about him? Did you hear about him? And like it was coming from all different ways. And I was like, no, like what happened? Obviously they told the story and I'm like, Oh my goodness. And then, yeah, just, I mean, I think everybody probably knows somebody that has tried or has committed suicide, especially oh, yeah. in the military community. And yeah, man, it's, it's difficult. Yeah. And, fairly recently a new detect, um, took his own life and it was same thing. I mean, his was, you know, a lot of things were, were, you know, kind of toppling around him in his life. But as far as his personality, he was always very bright and funny. And I mean, a guy you could go to for anything. He would be the most helpful guy, but you know, just one thing led to another and it was just too much for him to handle. Yeah. And yeah, again, I think it goes back to that like military mindset. It's like, what can we do more to help these people? And again, like, of course the military does everything like as politically correct as they can. Like, Oh, well, well, we're going to have more classes. We're going to raise more awareness. But again, it doesn't matter, right? Like, uh, yeah. look at Robin Williams. Like, look, <laughs> look at the the one of the he, one like, of the best or worst examples. Yeah, for absolutely. sure. Because he's like nobody would have ever thought that this funny one of the funniest guys in the world, right? Like, I've seen probably every movie that he's ever came out with, and there's not a single time where you're like not laughing. Yep. At any of his. So I mean, again, if you look at a comedian specifically, like, oh, this guy is hilarious. Like he's funny, and none of his jokes, I think, if you've ever like watched him, are like super dark or anything. No. So you would never like even try to put two and two together. And so that's, I mean, that should show you right there, right? If this guy is portraying that type of thing, if somebody really wants to take it, like there's nothing, unfortunately, there's really nothing that anybody can do about it because they're going to hide it. They're going to do their own thing on their own time and nobody's ever going to know. And you can ask them again, like I think the big one in the military that they preach in every class I ever take was just ask them, just ask them, Hey man, are you okay? Do you want to commit suicide? But again, like, and sometimes, yes, I will say, sometimes you might get people that'd be like, oh, yeah, I have, have had some dark thoughts or something. Yeah. Um, Possibly if they're in the mind state that they actually want to get help. And that's exactly right. But so it. many people, I, I feel like it, it's it's lost on, on people's understanding that if you reach that point where you're ready to take your own life, you don't want anyone to stop you. Yeah. So why would you open that door for someone to stop you? Mm -hmm. You've made that commitment you know, in your mind or one way or another, you know, when you're in that dark place, you know, there's very little that can be done. Yeah. And most, most of the times too, that dark place can come out of nowhere. Like it can come, it can come from, you could just have had the best day with your family out at the beach doing what, doing whatever you think. And then you come home and either maybe you got a quick little fight with your wife or your kid was acting up or something and you just get triggered. And then by then it's too late because it's not. And sometimes it is again, nothing is, ever always, but a lot of times people come in, right. And they're like, Oh, it was this drawn out plan. Like they wrote a note, they did all this, but sometimes that happens in just like an hour. Yeah. Like they just came home, finally had some peace and quiet. The kids were gone. Everybody, the house was empty and they were just alone with their thoughts. And that's when what triggers it or something like that. And again, that goes back to this military mindset of like, we're all want to be this alpha male. We don't need help. Like I still really struggle with that. Like like I'll be working on my house and I'll be the first one to tell you I'm not the most like mechanically like builder type of person, <laughs> but I would rather mess it up a thousand times and just ask one of my buddies to come help me. Like, isn't I mean the, 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 the uh, motto or the um, recruitment slogan for the army for the longest time was an army of one. Right. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I forgot about that, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. So it's like all they do or at least did was promote like suck it up. Yeah. Suck it up, buttercup. You can do it. Yep. 
put your head down, keep moving forward, tip of the spear, all of that stuff. Yeah. Like what I fear though is that the, the pendulum may swing too far the other way. I think we're because, seeing that. Yeah, absolutely. Because yes, you you do need to be able to lean on your peers and mm-hmm. your friends and whatever, but you absolutely every not just military, everybody has to have a bit a quite a healthy bit of suck it the fuck up. Everyone does. Absolutely. Right? Like, sometimes it's time to suck it up. Yeah, I know. And where I went in, or so I just had to go, because I'm still in the guard, so I just had to go back to, like, a tech school, right, which is the step after boot camp. So I went as a sergeant. Like, again, I have it super easy, but I, in my platoon was a lot of people that were coming from boot camp. So I get to talk to these people. Again, this was, what, yeah, 2019, because I had to reclassify and get a new job or whatever. Um, so I'm going to the training for that. I'm with a lot of people who are just coming out from boot camp, and apparently like a lot of their instructors, like they can't cuss at them anymore. <laughs> they can't cuss at them. They can't like, uh, they can't PT them without them, without the instructor PTing themselves. Right. So like if I say, Hey, drop as a Sergeant, I have to drop and do it with you. Right. And I'm like, what? Like, yeah. is that just crazy to you? Yeah. Well, we kind of had that. <laughs> we kind of had that rule really? through, through training for us. Mm-hmm. The problem is that there's a lot of different instructors. That's so true. when this instructor gets tired, <laughs> that is fair. They swap it. That's in. very fair. So there's there's ways around it. I don't mind that one too much, mm-hmm. but um, but yeah, I mean, part of part of the the um, hardening process is dealing with external stimuli. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to remove that entirely, you know what what's next? You know, okay, you can't raise your voice at people either. You mm-hmm. know, like. Look, say what you want about cussing. Like, it it doesn't matter in that moment. Right. That's not what matters. Yeah. And I think, again, it depends. It's going to, they're trying to, they have so many people that are coming in and they are not training people job specific, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, again, like somebody from infantry may be with the same person that's a cook or may be the same person that is, again, like I was, Intel or whatever. Have you ever worked in a commercial kitchen? Oh, no. There's more cursing in there than right. there is in the military. Yeah, no. And <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not hating yeah. on that, but I'm just saying like they have to get all these people ready for combat, right? Yeah. Or what they're thinking is combat for depending whatever your branch is. Their they, duty. Yeah. yeah, they have to get you ready for duty. And the only way to do that is to like to baseline it. And uh, again, like coming from a police academy too, like the, on, the only way to get that stimulus that or that stress response or to induce that stress response again, is like by having people yell at you and scream at you and stress you out, right? Yeah. So like, how do I know um, that you're going to even be able to fire your gun? Or if I need you to cover me, how do I know that you're not going to clam up? Because again, I can't test it. I can't shoot real bullets at you and try to increase and get the stimuli from you. So again, boot camp, they do the best they can of trying to naturally get that stimulus of like, Hey, like I need you to think and focus about your job, exactly what you need to do when shit hits the fan and like Mm -hmm. bullets are screaming by, or maybe a bomb just went off outside the base and we're on lockdown or whatever. Again, whatever it is, everybody has an essential mission, but I have to get you again, basic, what they call basic training. I have to get you basically qualified to be handled the bare minimum of what could happen. And that's why like, yeah, you, you're, stuck in this area of trying to find this happy medium of, okay, what is too tough or what's not again, like the hazing. Well, cause I get the, the pushups and all that thing. Like, cause sure. we, again, the military's had problems with hazing. Like mm-hmm. I think it still does. Like, uh, even, I don't know if you're a college football fan, but they had the right. hazing thing at Northwestern where coaches got fired. Like it is something sure. that is still out there in society. You may yep. not hear it, but it, it is. And so it is a fine line. Um, but it's definitely something that, it, but I think again, 
and this is one thing that I've been talking a lot with people is I, I try to frame everything in the sense of this pendulum mm-hmm. because sure it has gone too far in that, in the way towards, you know, bullying and hazing and all that stuff. Right. But the correct response is not to go all the way over to nothing absolutely ever at all because nothing good can ever come from it. Like, no, no, no. You need a little bit of bullying. You need a little bit of hazing. You know, it, it toughens people up. And I think that part of the part of the reason why the military is having to adjust in that direction is because the quality of the people coming in were brought up in this newer generation. It kind of started with our generation. Mm-hmm. Where you kind of started to see the softening of of kids that grow up into adults, obviously, you know, whether it was, you know, the the old, you know, everybody gets a trophy type of thing, mm-hmm. and you know, like the anti-bullying campaigns. Look, I was bullied. I I came to the United States not speaking a word one word I knew in English. Literally the word apple was the only <laughs> word that I knew at the time. Right. So I was mocked. I was picked on, all that stuff. Thankfully, it was never to the point of extreme hazing. Mm-hmm. Right. But I think that, that that level of bullying that I received shaped me into the tough-minded person that I am today. And that's why I'm able to be calm under pressure, you know? And then you have to expose early, Mm -hmm. right? Because if you expose too late, you've seen it all over social media or in videos or whatever. These these kids that grow into these adults that see a little bit of resistance to their ideas or their way of living or whatever, and they just have literally like, tantrums like two-year-olds because mm-hmm. they cannot handle anything not going their way yeah that's that's what that's the the positive side of bullying right no, or no. or even just you know the, i think shame can be good i agree right yeah too much shame bad mm-hmm. some shame can be very good you right. know if you are if you are Extremely unhealthy, we'll just say. Yep. Okay. <laughs> I know you're good. That. Whether that's overweight or just weak or whatever, that's not good for you. Yeah. And you should feel and there's some level of shame in that. There's science that backs that. It's not just, like, again, people want to polarize it into this political thing. Like, again, you're bullying me or you're doing this. Yeah. No, there, there, there's science that backs. Like, you ask any doctor, yep. even me, like, again, like, I'm. 220 pounds and I work out a lot or whatever. But if I go to the doctor, like I'm borderline obese or <laughs> yeah. beat my, with my BMI right. again, but just because, but again, it's not that it's the doctor that is saying for my height, like this weight could be unhealthy for me yep. just because of, again, how your body has to function. I mean, look at like big guys like Shaquille O'Neal and all of that. Right. Do we think like Shaquille O'Neal is this overweight? Like look at him when he played, at least he was in his prime and like all these, yeah. tall, it's just your body. It's just a lot on your body when you're seven foot tall, 300 pounds, yeah. or when you have a lot of weight on your body, whether it's muscle or fat, it is a lot on your body. It's taxing. Yeah. Your joints will pay for it. Yeah. And your heart <laughs> and everything. Even if you, again, even if you have good cardiovascular fitness, just having that more weight means your heart has to work harder. Yep. It's a fact. Yeah. I mean, literally your heart gets fat. Yeah. You know, like that's, that's one thing I feel like people don't understand is that your organs also collect fat. Mm -hmm. Literally it's called fatty liver disease, right? Fat on your liver. There's fat on your heart. I mean, there's plenty of pictures out there where they compare a healthy heart to a, an obese person's heart. You just look at it and you're like, 
there's no way that obese heart is efficient in the body. Exactly. It's impossible. Mm -hmm. It's just physics at that point, not even biology. Like just, right. it's just more weight or more, you know, whatever, more, mm -hmm. more resistance. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think, I think that shame plays a, a real role. I mean, it, you can, you can call it shame if you think of it negatively, but you can think about it positively as tough love Yeah, is really what it is, mm -hmm. you know, and, and it, it, it's, it's a loving thing to, to poke fun at someone in a friendly way, you know, like, Hey man, you know, You've been working out or what? Like, yeah. you, you know, like you don't have to be a dick about it, but, but you can bring it up in, in, in a in a concerned way mm -hmm. without making them feel bad about it necessarily, but at least just enough where they can kind of have that idea and they can, when they sit at home, like, hey, uh, you know, Austin did, man, you know, he was joking, <laughs> but now that I look at myself... I should add a little more cardio into my routine here, you know, or whatever it is. That's like another thing with the military. Like all of my best friends, like if you don't joke with me, then like, you're not my friend. Like, oh, right? like yeah. it's, it's like, it's like a signal of like love. Like my, the more I poke fun at you, the more I love you and the more 1, I care about you. Right. Thousand like, percent. It's one of my favorite parts about the military. Yeah, exactly. There's nobody. Well, at least in my version of the military where oh, I experienced yeah. it, I'm sure you have as mm -hmm. well as, you know, it, it, it's, it's all, it's all shit talking. A hundred percent. You have to, you, if you have to, if you could not sh shit talk or if you couldn't take, like you wouldn't survive a hundred percent. Like there's times, like I thought I was a decent shit talk and I still, like I would like crumble oh, yeah. and I'm like, Oh yeah. my God, like this is like been a year of this. Like I can't take this anymore. Yeah, like, kind yeah. of thing. And then like, you just got to figure it out. But again, yeah. it, it it, it made me who I am. It toughened my skin, especially like, you know, when I got out and got into law enforcement, like the stuff that people say to you, like, again, just laugh. So like I'd laugh at them. If they said something like that was funny, if I was like trying to arrest them or if I was just talking to them, like <laughs> yeah, I would yeah. laugh. I'd be like, man, dude, that was really good. Yeah. 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 And I mean, how, did you ever experience like, um, when someone that you knew like third party that was, you know, good with the banter and then they didn't give that to you and they mm -hmm. were very professional with you and they were kind of like ease about, does that ever happen to you? Uh, yeah, definitely. Like, I think they're trying to figure out, like, it was more when I would first meet people, Maybe, like okay. you're still kind of trying to like figure out that relationship sure. or figure out everybody's relationship. Yeah. I think I probably did it with you, right? Like when I was first uh, met you, sure, yeah, yeah, like yeah, on the yeah. boat and stuff like, yeah, but even, but so I, I've definitely had those interactions with like other UD techs that I didn't know directly, but mm -hmm. you know, knew of through other people, whatever. And even after several interactions, they were kind of reserved a little bit, didn't really, you know, poke fun or whatever. I always took great offense of that. Yeah. And definitely. maybe in an unhealthy way, I, I thought, I thought a little too much about like, well, how can, how can I earn their respect or mm -hmm. something like that? But it kind of hurts. Like, Hey man, like there's plenty of targets here, man. You can, you can rip me up and down, you know, but why aren't you like, do you not like me? Yeah, <laughs> no, definitely. But I think again, it goes back to like, today's day and age and where we're in. Cause if I say it to you, it might be totally fine. Like, and I have an example of this, like I think me and my buddies were talking and uh, when I was in law enforcement and we had somebody who was one of our admin, like people, they heard it and they got offended. So like, again, like as law enforcement, similar to military, but like, so the person I was talking to and the person I was poking fun at, like I was making jokes to him specifically. Right. And this person who's not even involved in the conversation, apparently they had just like walked by witness trauma. Yeah. Like heard it. And they're like, Hey, I was offended. So like, I, Dude, one, I got called into my like sergeant's office one day and he's like, Hey, uh, what's going on? And I'm like, Oh, what, nothing with like, what's up Sarge? And he's like, Hey, so, uh, you got a complaint. And I was like, wait, like a legit complaint. Like, is this going to like be on my record? He's like, no, like it was somebody like internal. And I was like, well, okay. Like what happened? They're like, did you say what? I, again, I can't remember what it was. Cause I have these conversations with people all the time, but like, and he, uh, he's like, did you say whatever? And I was like, 
uh, yeah, I mean, probably like, I think I was talking to whoever <laughs> yeah. and, and like, he's like, okay, well, so-and-so got offended. I was like, what? Like they weren't even in the room. And like, I had no idea. Like, again, I was like about to get reprimanded and I had no idea what was even happening. I was like, what? And again, it was like back to that of like, they didn't get our humor. They didn't yeah. get what was going on. So I think a lot of people like to get it, come all the way back around to what you were saying is, so I think sometimes depending on who the person, they get a little scared of like who may be around or sure. what setting you're in. Because again, like, or if they weren't in your platoon, cause they don't know exactly you and not only you like, cool, you're an EOD tech. You're probably fine. But again, I don't know about this admin person over here that yeah. like, are they going to get offended now? Or like, well, funny enough. So I had a, 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 a similar type incident. At one of my commands, we had a, a, a female that was working um, in our office basically. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I worked with her day in and day out. Right. We had a pretty good relationship. Like we understood, you know, each other. And she was, she was like, honestly, she was kind of one of the boys, you know? And, um, we were, we were just sitting around bullshitting everybody, you know, it was, it was a group of us around and, uh, I was, I forget how it came up, but I, I, I started singing these lyrics of a, of a very inappropriate song. <laughs> okay. I, I won't even say what it was, but it was, there's a, a phrase that was uh, not appropriate uh, on, on the, you know, in reference to the, 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 the female gender. Okay. Of course. She laughed. Right. Mm -hmm. And it was, it wasn't a, like a, oh, <laughs> like it wasn't awkward. Like she genuinely thought it was funny. Cause I, you know, we, we, we understood each other's humor and mm -hmm. whatever, but my chief and my OIC that were there, they're like, uh, can we talk to you in the other room? And they literally pulled me to the other room. It was like, you better go back and apologize and blah, blah, blah. Like that was not right. I was like, and you know, at, in the moment I was like, yeah, you're right. There probably wasn't like appropriate office conversation, but it was also just us in the room, you mm -hmm. know, and, and she like took it well and it wasn't an issue, you know, and, um, you know, I, I obliged and I went back and I, and I had a one-on-one -on -one with her and, and just, and laid it out and she literally like scoffed me like, what are you apologizing for? Like, don't, I'm not, that's not me or yeah. whatever. So, I mean, look at the end of the day, good on them for looking out. Mm -hmm. But the fact that it's like this automatic knee jerk reaction yep. in the military, especially is like, I don't know. It, it, it feels too far. And they, they do a bunch of that in the military. And that was like, again, I love the military. I, I recommend everybody do it. All the benefits I've gotten from it have been incredible but i think the one thing they do they is yeah they do they jump to extremes like instead because right like how how it should work okay right like if i'm talking to you somebody gets offended they should either come to me or again if they were offended hey go to that your supervisor and be like hey yeah. he said something cool we all have it in here hey look i'm sorry i didn't mean to offend you or whatever right hash it out if that doesn't work cool keep going up do what you got to do like yeah, it is what it is. And even like I had a big issue we had and it's an issue everywhere, but I had a huge issue with um, un the underage drinking and people getting kicked out. Right. So like, again, at least where we were, people get caught for underage drinking. And again, like, what is it in America? Right. Like if I get caught and I was underage, like, what do you get? Like a ticket and you pay a fine. Oh, slap it's on not even, I don't even know if it's like a full misdemeanor. Like I literally, or it's gone if it is a misdemeanor. Maybe I think so. it's more just know. like a citation. Right. Like, um, cause again, like I was in law enforcement and when we did it, we were just writing tickets. So again, yeah. it, depending on your age, it wasn't really like even an arrestable offense. Right. So you would have people at these commands that come in at 18 years old, right? Like what they say, he, the male brain isn't fully developed to like what? 25, 25 27, yeah, something like yeah. that. So you have 18 year old kids that are coming in. 
the first taste of freedom, first taste of away from their parents on their own doing this and cool. They get caught for underage drinking. And then you have these commands and these commanders and military policies that are like, Hey, uh, I have to kick you out. Yeah. Burn that man. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, do you know? Okay. So like I just talked about, right. All the benefits we get from being military veterans are, is great. I love them. But now think about this 18 year old kid. That's not having an honorable discharge anymore. Now he might not get dishonorable cause it's like impossible. You have to like yeah. kill somebody for that. Sep or but something. Yeah. It'll be yeah. like an admin separation or, um, honor or was it general under honorable conditions or something, right, right. but something that's still going to affect you and be on your record, depending yeah. on like what you want to do. Like, uh, and, uh, so instead of just like reprimanding this kid again, like the, especially cause I know the Navy does like you, you can get put on restriction. <laughs> yeah. So they do, I, I don't know how every other branch is, but the Navy you'll do like half, um, they'll like take half your pay for like 30 days and, yep. uh, restrict you to your barracks. So you can only go like get chow and go back to your barracks and go to work kind of thing. Yeah. And then maybe get like your workout time, but like that should be the go-to. And now obviously like if it's a DUI or they kill somebody, like obviously it's a case by case basis. But like, again, if they're just getting caught for underage drinking, why are you trying to ruin this 18 kid, 18 year old kid's life? Like I remember, and, and maybe it's a scare tactic sometimes. Like they make examples out of people. Cause I remember like I was terrified cause I was like, I was so terrified to get in trouble because I was like, Oh, I don't want to ruin the rest of my life. And it was like, so there was a lot of things that I like maybe, and maybe for the better stayed out of because of that. But I still was like, man, like, why are you going to ruin these young kids lives because they made a bad decision here? And like, again, like should be a three strike. There should just be something about it. Yeah. And just because again, you're now you're going to ruin this. He's not going to get out with no benefits. He's going to have a hard time getting a job. Like he's 18 years old. He's got how many years left in his life and <laughs> yeah. he's got to try to figure that out yeah. and again i know there's things in place where you can go and like use the va to try to want to get it get your discharge upgraded or changed and different oh, really things. i don't know that oh yeah you can so okay. there's a uh i think it all depends because when i was a case manager I, I is when i learned this mm. and probably what we'll get into is how unless you know somebody that has used the va benefits or something like it, there is no and you were talking about it kind of off air earlier of how there should be a database of all the benefits that you are entitled to. Yeah. You don't, especially me, like I don't know any of the benefits that the VA provides unless one of my friends or somebody has told me and like showed me how to do it. That's how every, I don't know a single person that hasn't had that same exact experience. Yeah. You know, you, you get out, you, you get, you know, number one, there's for any veteran, there's a list of, entitlements or, or benefits or whatever. And then they also vary state to state. Mm -hmm. And then at every different level, there are are certain tiers of disability ratings. There's another list. And then there's another list of those for the state that you're in. And then, you know, once you get to a hundred percent, there's another list. And even, even at the maximal level that you can attain, Right. There's no, there's no database that just gives you all the information. Like, mm-hmm. I feel like it's, it's, it's 2023 and we don't have a single website that we can go to and plug in, you know, your, you know, your discharge status, your disability rating, the state you live in or, and whatever else is relevant. And it should just spit you out. Okay. Well, on the federal level, you get this stuff. This is, you know, for all this. In this state, you also qualify for X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. Your family qualifies for X, Y, and Z. How do we not have that yet? I Yeah, I don't know. And you know what they tell you? Oh, contact your local VA. Yeah. It has, yeah. And I'm sure any military veteran out there that's listening to this podcast knows that is the last thing you want to do is call the VA. Like, I had to 
call them recently and you're on hold for hours. They're not personable. At least I've very ha- had very few that are actually like are willing to help you out. They're just like, well, I can't help you. And they try to transfer you around to a million different people. Like, again, I'll give the example I was giving you earlier is, so I, when I got out, I didn't file for my disability right away because I needed health care. I didn't have a job lined up when I got out. Like kind of all the things they tell you not to do is kind of what I did. Oops. Uh, so I uh, ended up re-enlisting in the, the National Guard, the Air National Guard. And uh, so I waited probably like a year and a half, maybe two years before I did my uh, disability claim. Uh, and even with that, right, like in my TAPS class that everybody takes or your separation class that everybody takes, they told me to use a, was it, a veteran assistance rep, right? Yeah. Uh, and talking to a couple of buddies I've had, they're like, no, don't do that. And I was like, well, why not? Like, they're supposed to help you. And it makes sense with what they were saying, but they're like, no, don't do use a rep. Like, they're not going to get you what you want. And... And I was like, well, what do you mean? Why? Like, they're supposed to. Like, that's their job. And he's like, think about it, right? It's a business. Like, in the grand scheme of things, yeah, they're there to help you, but they're a business. Like, they do they want to pay out thousands or millions or whatever? And, like, the total for all the veterans that get disability is, do they want to pay that out? No. So they're going to look for a reason to not give it to you. Mm-hmm. And, like, like even my – like, I am 100% uh, disabled veteran, but there's still things on there that I know 100% I got from the military that they said wasn't service-connected. Right. Yeah. And, like – like, again, doesn't matter because I'm already 100% no, but if if I wasn't and that thing, like, would that change my rating? Like, yeah, would I need that? Like, say I had something really bad and now it's not service-connected um, because if you're not, I guess those of you out there who are listening, if it's not on, if you're not 100% and it's not on your record as a service-connected disability, you don't get health care for it. Right. Like, so if I have something that, I need to go get looked yeah. at or I got cancer from something from the military and say, I don't have health care or I have crappy health care. Like I can't go to the VA because you're like, Oh, sorry, this isn't service connected. Yeah. Which is just crazy to me. Yeah. And, and to go back on the, the customer service side that we get, the, the saddest part about it to me is that the vast majority of employees at the VA are veterans. Yep. And yet mm-hmm. they can't, empathize with that like miserable experience and it's i i, I don't understand it like yeah. i i got i i even have i have a rating for both of my knees right but one of them is is my right knee had um uh, mcl tear or whatever mm-hmm. um and it's been flaring up real bad lately i mean i've like been immobilized several times so i call up and i'll, I'll, I'll make an appointment mm-hmm. and the earliest one they could get me was and I, I called what four months ago mm-hmm. the earliest one they could get me was October of course I'm like you don't understand like I can't I can't do a lot of things and I need to be seen like I don't even know like where this rabbit hole will end yeah but I can't even start until October that's that's ridiculous and it it sucks too because like I'm sure you love Florida right you love living in Florida as I do too I moved here last year but Florida, I think, if you look, is the highest veteran population in, makes sense. in the entire U.S. If not, again, I can't say it for sure if it's number one, but I think it's at least like top five. Right. Um, but and so like that has to do with y- how long you're going to wait, right? Especially yeah. this area, because I know for a fact this area where we live uh, is worse because you have what Eglin, you have Tyndall, you have Duke, you have mm-hmm. um, all these different bases in this small area. So 
I mean, they just need more VAs. And I know yeah. you need more doctors. It's easy to say, like, you need more everything. Sure. But with that many veterans in a small area, like, of course, you're going to wait times are going to be that. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. And, you know, look, I'm, I'm not in the medical field, but I could imagine, you know, even just getting more, you know, practitioners or mm-hmm. someone that can just at least evaluate yeah, and do a basic triage and order some basic tests. You know, do, I mean, you don't have to be a doctor to give a knee exam. Mm-hmm. You know, there's plenty, and there's plenty of corpsmen that were, you know, at commands that were doing knee exams and shoulder exams and whatnot. And they can, they can figure out like, okay, does he need an x-ray? Does he need more MRI? They, they know the difference. No, absolutely. How many times do you go, like when we were on active duty, did you have a long wait time? Like I, most of the time, like I had an appointment within like a week or so. Yeah. And again, it was because of that. Did I, I, I now I could tell you, I never really saw a doctor. Right. It's always a corpsman or somebody, but sure. at least like you said, I was getting the diagnosis. So mm-hmm. why does everything have to be through the VA is what I, like I don't understand. Yeah. Especially if the VA is so backed up. Cool. We have three military bases here. Let me go to one of the military hospitals and set up an appointment and then have them look at me. Now I know a lot of people, military people, are like, is that what you really want? <laughs> but yeah, yeah, yeah. But it, it I mean, also, at least I'm getting seen, right? Yeah, I mean, the the I, I I guess the counter argument to that would be, you know, you don't want to then cause a longer wait time for the active duty guys, you know, which I, I could see, you know, could be an issue, but which is fair. But then we can work that in. Yeah. Give give preferential treatment, you know, or whatever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like if it's between me and the active duty guy, obviously give it to the active duty guy, but. I know they have people in their scheduling department that you call in and at least it would help alleviate it again. Yeah. And you have the military people that yeah, their families go and, and it's very similar. So again, I'm not telling you that send everybody there, but again, if that VA is swamped, yeah. why not look into it? Right. At least it gets me seen and I don't have to wait months. Yeah. Or if also it's an opportunity. streamline the process to go see a non-VA That's, doctor, mm-hmm. non-military doctor, like absolutely, and and give choice. Damn it, you know, like mm-hmm. I called, you know, because the same thing. They gave me the option, like, oh, okay, well, um, if you want, we can we can put in a referral to go out in town. I said, okay, uh, so how do I do that? Do I tell you, like, do I research it myself and tell you? Like, no, no, someone will call you, and I got a call like two months later, like you have an appointment on this date at this office, mm-hmm. and it's now in September. I was like. All right, it's a little bit better, but why can't I just go out and and find, you know, a doctor that will see me mm-hmm. and then have them communicate with the VA or whatever and have them pay for this doctor? Like, it's not, it shouldn't be this damn complicated. But I think it goes back to the business thing, right? Like, yeah. they want to keep it in-house because they want their doctors that they trust to truly evaluate you. And that's where it is difficult because like, so mine, I'll say I never saw VA. I still haven't been to the VA. I like my, I refuse to go. And it's because (laughs) like, I'm so terrified of them taking away my rating or seeing, or them be like, well, I don't agree with that doctor. Now we're going to reevaluate you or something like this. And it's like, no, I had a, I did what you guys wanted. I had a medical profession, multiple medical professionals give me whatever diagnosis that I have. And that should be good enough. Like, why is it? Because I've heard horror stories. Like, I have people per- that I know personally that has said they've gone into the VA and uh, for whatever appointment, and they miraculously got a reevaluation. Now, if you're not 100%, yes, you do have periodic. I think you were telling me, was it five years periodic? I, I, I don't know. Okay. I, I don't know. But I do know for that, sure it is you, periodic. It is periodic yeah. And I don't know how exactly that works, but they are periodic. But he was he was telling me that he had a random one very recently after he like went in and they ended up taking some or 
uh, reevaluating him for certain things. So he lost some percentages. What? Yeah. And it's like, it, again, why is that happening? So he was, because they said it wasn't, a, or it didn't look like it was currently affecting him like that day. But again, like you were just talking about with your knee, like there's days where, yeah, my knee, cause both my knees uh, I have are blown out too. And there are days where my knees are fine. I'm totally fine. And I can yeah. walk, I can run and it's great. And I even feel, lift. Yeah. And I feel great. Yeah. I could squat. Um, but yeah, but then there's other days where I get out of bed and I have to like really warm up. I have to put like an ice, ice and hot and one false step mm -hmm, and to really get my knee or same, like my lower back. Like there's times I'll be walking in a parking lot and I'll just like take a wrong step. Yeah. My, I, I was in this back. office uh, setting up equipment, unpacking some equipment and I had to like step over something and the way my foot landed just tweaked it a certain way. I was in agony for like two days. Yeah. And then, yeah, so I like, I, I don't, I just don't believe that you should be able to reevaluate me because you think I'm fine. Yeah. And, and, and that, that just, yeah, it's a whole nother thing, but that, yeah. that's why I think so many veterans are so displeased with the VA and displeased with the government's treatment of us as veterans. Because again, like we've given, again, not, not me because I wasn't in combat, but a lot of the combat guys, like we, we served for a reason, right? We served to, yeah. so we can have the freedoms to make this podcast so people can like say whatever they want, do whatever they want. Like that's why people can say what they want about America, but it's still the freest country in the world. Right. Yeah. Like <laughs> yeah. I can say what I want. I can do what I want. I don't have to, there's no real repercussions, right? Like within our amendments and all of that stuff. But for, yeah, this is one thing. Like for some reason, the VA, they just want to give us the hardest time about yeah. pretty much everything. And, it, and back to what I was saying originally, my, my example was because I got into the guard, I applied for my VA benefits in February. And then I was granted my VA benefits in uh, September of 22, so just recently. Uh, and then when I got those benefits, uh, so you you can't double dip from the federal government. So if you're drilling, you can either get your drill pay, which for most people is like 250 bucks a month, or you can get, if you're 100% disabled, you can get your full disability payment, which is right now, I think is what, like 4,100 ish, something like yeah, that. Yeah, depending on how many dependents you yeah, have that, and everything, yeah. but yeah. But, uh, pretty so, good. Yeah. <laughs> wait, so every, I think any normal person is going to pick that one, which is what I did. So while I wasn't getting, or because they back pay you, but even though I wasn't getting paid for what, February, March, April, May, June, July, August, I didn't get paid, started getting paid until September. So I basically had what, seven months of back pay. Well, because I was drilling in a drill status, my one week in a month, they all of a sudden hit me up. What are we in July of 2023? <laughs> sent me a message saying that I owe them $3,500 because I was double dipping. <sighs> and I'm like, what do you? And so I had called them and I was like, hey, like, I don't know what this debt is. Like, I'm not getting or and they're like, well, we've sent you multiple letters. And I was like, okay, like I get that, but I, I I didn't get any letters. Like trying to be super respectful to the guy, right? Yeah. And he just, well, I don't know. I can't help you. I'm like, okay, but like I, I need help. I'm, I I don't know where this debt is coming from. Like I I right now I'm not working. Like I I'm relying on this disability to take care of my family. Like this is what what it's here for. Like I, I'm struggling to find a job, and I think some of it is the disability, and some of it is different things. But um, yeah, like I, I truly am struggling. And so like, I need this money. Like you can't take it away from me or take big payments. Like I, I need to live. Yeah. And he's like, well, uh, you were double dipping. And I was like, well, yeah, but I wasn't getting paid at that time. Like, yes, it is back pay and you guys do calculate it, but it, like, I'm not making a paycheck. Like I'm not making, and I'm not making near $4,100 right. during that time. Again, like, cool. Take the two fifty away <laughs> for the six months and that's not going to equal 3,500 or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, and then the other way they do it is 
I guess apparently he was telling me that they they think a four hour workday or they do it in four hour blocks. So basically, my two days that I was working was equal to four days is how they were figuring it. And Ridiculous. I, yeah, and I'm trying to stay calm with this guy. Like, I'm getting frustrated. And he just keeps repeating himself. Well, I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you. And I'm like, well, he's like, we sent you letters. We sent you letters. And I was like, he's like, well, um, and I was like, okay, well, regardless of me owing you guys, like, how do I set up the payment plan? Like, can you help me with that? Well, we sent you a letter. Okay, but what I'm getting at, man, is like, is yeah, is like, hey, I help me. Yeah, like I'm not getting the letters. Like I'm on the phone with you now. Like, yeah. cool, let's just figure this out while I'm on the phone because obviously something's wrong with the letters. He's like, well, the letter will explain it when it gets there. He just kept going. And I like finally like, oh, I had man. to just hang up. Like I was losing it. I was like, my wife, I came in and I was just huffing and puffing and frustrated. And I was like, what's going on? I was like, that's why I don't go to the it's 2023 <laughs> and they still rely on email or on, on snail mail Absolutely. correspondence. Mm-hmm. And if you call, and I, I've, I've had several of their letters come through, right? And I'll have questions about it. And I've called them up and said, oh, we can't discuss that over the phone. There's a letter about it. No, no, no. I I know I'm holding the letter. Mm -hmm. I have questions about your letter. Like, well, you can file a complaint or you can, you know, file a a reassessment or whatever the hell. And you have to verify all this information over the phone that they know it's you. Like, I know people can find that stuff out, but the amount of information that I have to verify, I'm like the odds of this being somebody else are very slim right now. Okay? How, how are we doing? How are we not like, I, I, I don't understand how there's not like, well, and they have an app. That's what's crazy, but like, and what, it sucks. It does. It's it, the worst app. Well, and he straight up told me when I called him, he said, uh, the app is down and we don't know if it'll ever be fixed. <laughs> <laughs> Those were his exact words. And I like, I was like, well, okay. Ever? <laughs> so what's the point of getting, like of having the app? Like I, so I can't have any, So every correspondence I get for, from you guys is going to have to be through snail mail. Like yep. you can't just put it into my profile. So when I check my VA like monthly or weekly, whenever I do be like, oh, hey, look, I owe this much money now. Cause they sent me a message or like whatever. Like, it, like you said, it's, it, that's, that's it's insane. That's the inevitable result of a system that is, Number one, covering a huge swath of people Mm -hmm. with money that was not earned by those people and does not belong to those people, right? And that's how you end up with all the all the great stories about how you know oh this this thing that you can go buy in the store for five dollars, the military is buying it for. $200, $200, you know, yeah. cause of these bids and, and, and all the administrative My fees fit. up and down and it all trickles through every aspect of government expenditure. Yep. That's yep. the problem. My There's no phrase, incentive. Military grade, right? Oh my God. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and how civilians love, Oh, it's, mil- hey, it's military. Grade. Like pump those brakes. Yep. You're paying a lot for not good. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. For, for, too bulky, too heavy, mm-hmm. not actually that durable, you know, or well, whatever. Too I think, expensive. I think a lot of people don't realize how those contracts work, right? Like, it's like, hey, I can get it done in this time frame for this price. And so they're like, oh, that's the cheapest price. And so, of course, that's what they do. And then halfway they get through production and they realize, oh, we can't do it for this price. So what do they do? They have to cut corners. They have to get cheaper stuff. So originally this beautiful, magnificent project that they had sold to the military government that they thought they were going to get 
turns into some half ass yep. piece of crap that they had just hodgepodge together to stay in their budget. Yep. And it's just, and you see it again every time. It's just like anything. It's a business, right? It's all about making money yeah. and what they got to do. And it's just, and the systems are always convoluted too. Cause I, I, in several of the commands that I've worked at and even afterwards when I was working as a government contractor, um, you know, you, you get some people that are like, Oh, just give me a list of these, of these things and we'll get it from you. And I would literally go on Amazon, build a shopping cart, send it over mm -hmm. and they would buy it literally from Amazon. Yeah. And then you go to submit the same thing next time and someone else is now in charge. They're like, we cannot use Amazon. Yep. We have to use GSA Advantage or whatever oh it is. Yep. And all of a sudden that same shopping cart that was like $1,000 turned into like a $6,000 thing. And oh, now it's all it's over our charge limit. Now we have to do this other process. It's going to take three months to submit it. And then eventually it'll get shipped. But then it's going to get shipped to this person over here. Then you got to pay an extra fee just to get it on base and blah, blah, blah. Holy crap, man. Can Dude. I just get this? I can literally like, can you just reimburse me? I'll buy it. Yeah. Okay. And you can just reimburse me. No, that's not an option, nope. of course. Welcome you know? to the bureaucracy of everything, right? Oh, that's man. Like, it fires me up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> and like, again, I have another buddy who was, filled out his claim, did everything. I think he his initial... Well, so he got medically separated. Not medically retired. Medically separated. And after he got medically separated, he went to fill out his claim, whatever. Um, I think he was like 90%. <clears throat> and so he went to put in or 80% or whatever, but he went to put in a couple more things like after his initial claim and it took him like over a year because again, it was like bureaucracy. It was like, Oh, you missed this step in this paperwork, send it back. So then that takes more time. Oh, Hey, now we need to get you evaluated by this doctor. Well, okay. you got to wait like seven weeks for the mail to come in. Yeah. So exactly. you can know that there was an issue. Yep. And then, so yeah, so he gets like another letter does that. And I, I ended up telling him, I was like, dude, you just have to, and it, it's sad that you had to do this, but you have to be annoying. Yeah. Like I oh, went yeah. everybody at that call center when I was going through mine, like knew my name because, because mm -hmm. again, you're getting a different person every time, but I made yeah. sure I'm calling in every day. Yep. I'm checking on this. I'm going to annoy you to the point where you're like, dude, just approve this dude. So we don't have to hear him call this in anymore. Here's a tip that I share with everybody that I, I forget who told me, but it, it works wonders. As soon as you get somebody on the phone, ask them their name, and if they have like an employee ID number or whatever, if you start the conversation with that, obviously after the greeting, you mm -hmm. know, you know, thank you. Yes. I, yeah. I'm Mackenzie. I'm blah, blah, blah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. What was your name again? And do you have an employee ID number or whatever? As soon as you do that, number one, you write it down because now you have a record in case anything goes south, ah. you know, or whatever. But also now they know that you have their information and that you wrote it down. So now they'll have it in the back of their mind. Like, all right, this guy could get annoying. Hold so them accountable, gonna, huh? Mm -hmm. yep. So I'm going to get real nice real quick. Uh -huh. And it has worked wonders. I'm going to have to start doing that. Definitely. Yes. Yes. Spread the word. Oh, Ask I will. For that and write it, actually write it down because yeah. there is a scenario where you may have to call back and, and talk to someone else and kind of be a Karen about it, but whatever. Yeah. Like it's got to get done. Well, yeah. And I think everybody that serves too, like knows like, you've gotten screwed over the whole time you were in like, right? Like we all loved it. We all signed up for it. It was voluntary, but like there's not anything that you didn't do there. They weren't finding a way to screw you over again. Like, oh yeah. I think the big one is right. Like uh ship out times. <laughs> like those are my favorite when they're like, all right, we're going to ship out here at like zero eight. 
So then the sergeant's like, all right, cool. We got to leave at 08. You're going to be here at 07. And then the platoon sergeant is like, hey, all right, cool. They want you here at 07. We're going to be here at 05. And then you end up being there like four hours early because they're so terrified of somebody showing up late. Twiddling your damn thumbs yeah, for four hours. Just sitting there until you actually ship out. And it's like, yep. yep. And in some, in some scenarios, like... Oh, God forbid if you fall asleep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> God forbid you fall asleep when you're doing nothing. And yeah. You're just sitting there yep. waiting to go. Yeah. That, that was jump school up. for me. Yeah. Really? For Ben and Jones. Oh, my God. Everything was just like that. Oh. We, it, it became it became like a, a joke because we would, we would literally just sit around in the, they have like these little gravel pits where you practice falling, whatever. Mm-hmm. And we just literally sit there with a, with a helmet turned upside down and we just like throw rocks into this <laughs> helmet. And just like that was the game to play oh, while you're wasting time. The games that, yeah. The games that you would come up with when you're just trying to kill time were insane. Yep. Yep. Just yep. sitting there like on your on your backpacks. And yeah, you're like, hey, yeah, five bucks if you can hit this. And it is. It's always rocks, right? Like yeah. rocks are always involved because they're yeah. everywhere. Yeah. Or sticks. They're fruit. Yep. Just see what you can chuck to see. Oh, God, I bet you can't hit that tree up there. Just, <laughs> yeah, yeah, the yeah. first one hit the tree. Like The oh. dumbest like boyhood thing that just comes out from all these grown ass men. Yeah. <laughs> you're just, no, you're, you're back to being seven years old in the backyard. I, I, I'm telling you, man, though, got my creative juices flowing. Like when <laughs> yeah. I go to work out, like, like, uh, the gym that we have at our, like, uh, where we live, it's not huge. It doesn't have a bunch of stuff, but it's got the essentials. Right. But I learned I can make that work to the best of my <laughs> yeah, abilities yeah. because of like military gyms. Like you get creative with whatever. Like, I don't know how many times I have people come up to me and just like, look at me and be like, what is that? And I was like, I don't know, but I learned it when I was in the military because I had to stack weights on together to get like, I don't know, but it's or, difficult. Or, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, Oh, I don't know, but I feel it really good. Like right here in my lap or whatever it is. And you're yeah. like, you're like, ah, oh, good pump. did good teach pump. me things. And then yeah. yeah, like you go to the beach and you're like, you're with your kids or whatever. And you're tired. And you're like, Hey, you teach your five-year-old daughter, this stupid rock game that you play that you picked up in the military because yeah you just when did you learn this yeah. oh have i got a story for you <laughs> yeah dad yeah. this is so much fun like, yeah i know now just remember that i was 25 years old doing that thing <laughs> yeah thing. yeah yeah i was a grown-ass man dude yep so all right let me let's back up a little bit yeah why don't you why don't you tell me what advice you would give to anyone who is getting out or has recently gotten out um, as far as, you know, what, like how to handle, mm-hmm. whether it's the VA or just, or just the transition period in general, what would you tell them? I would say the first, <clears throat> excuse me, the first thing I would do is make sure, especially right before you, if you know you're getting out and you're done, you're not reenlisting, you're not doing anything, make a medical appointment every day. And, and I say that because every, you want everything documented. If it is on, like, that's what made a lot of mine easiest. Cause I had gotten, uh, I had a, buddy of mine, give me that advice before I got out. And so when I went to do my VA claim, like my, a lot of people have difficulty. Um, some people have difficulty, some people don't, but mine was very easy. Like I know, again, we've kind of been complaining about the VA, but my process compared to some people's was very easy. I mean, yes, the appointments took forever. I think it took me like, oh, like I said, February to September. So, I mean, it took me quite a long time, like almost what, five, seven months, seven something months, like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, to get, I finally get approved, but, um, it was fairly easy. Like when I went in and walked to the doc, he looked at my medical record and was like, Oh, this, you're claiming this, you're claiming this, you're claiming this, you're claiming this opens my medical records. Oh, that's in there. That's in there. That's in there. All right. You're good. Like, that's pretty much like what it was. Like he didn't really evaluate me cause he already saw it in there. So I tell people again, if you're about to get out and you're sure, like you're done over it, you don't want, you don't care if you're going to get back in or anything, go to medical, like claim everything that is hurting you. If you, even if it's hurt you one time, 
or like you got the flu, like whatever it is, I like go in, get it documented. Cause worst case, cool. They throw it out. They, it doesn't, it's not like worst case it's there. But what I've noticed with a lot of my friends and myself and other people that I've talked to that I'm, that I'm close with is it is way harder and a lot longer of a process um, when you don't have it documented because now you have to either go to more appointments. Um, so you're creating more bureaucracy for yourself. Um, you have to find doctors that are approve it. You have to prove that you didn't get it after you separated. Like there is so much more red tape if it's not already in your medical records. Right. So that is up first and foremost and like number well, one. Let me add to that. If you do find yourself in a position where you don't have a certain thing documented, that doesn't mean you can't claim it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's true. It too. may be more of a hassle, mm-hmm. but you gotta claim it. Oh, yes, for sure. Right? It look, the way I see it is if you have any now, don't lie about anything. No. I'm not encouraging anybody to lie about anything. But if there's anything that bothers you in your body or maybe mental, whatever it is, file that claim and let them determine whether or not they're going to grant you that claim. Mm-hmm. Because a few of the things that I got um, ratings for, I did not have anything on my medical record. Yeah. I didn't have tinnitus in my medical record. Yeah, that's true. I got tinnitus pretty damn bad. Yeah. You know, um, PTSD. I didn't tell anybody while I was in that I had problems with PTSD. Like like we were talking, talking about before, I needed to stay deployable. Right. Right. So, and this is the case for most people. Mm-hmm. A lot of people that suffer from any form, whether small or big, of PTSD. And that's another thing, too. Don't think to yourself that just because you don't have the most extreme versions of PTSD where you're just waking up in night terrors every night and whatever, like, yeah, that's hell. Yeah. But there's also all, there's all different forms of PTSD. No, absolutely. So if you have any symptoms of PTSD, which are vast, and I, I don't even want to get into how many there are, but look it up. Okay. If you, if there's certain parts of your life that you just can't really explain why you behave a certain way or whatever, it may be linked to PTSD. And so there, file for that mm-hmm. and, and push for it. And if, if you think, if you think that it, if you get denied for any reason, Hey, you can reapply. Absolutely, yeah. Keep going. Mm-hmm. Exhaust them until you get what you think is fair for you. Exactly. Again, don't lie. No. Don't make shit up, but keep pushing. Because they're going to evaluate you. So like with the PTSD thing, just because you claim it doesn't mean you're, like just because you claim anything doesn't mean you're getting it. Like the medical records make it easier because he's like, okay, cool. Uh, for people who again aren't familiar with how the process works, even if you don't have it right, they'll look at your original medical record um, from when you went through MEPS, like all those crazy things that they have you do when you go through MEPS, like yep. that's on record for that's, and that's on in your military record. So if they come in and they say you were completely healthy and then now eight years later you get out and you go to this evaluation and you can say you didn't claim, you didn't, you never went to medical once have nothing on your record, but now you're going in claiming all this stuff. They're going to, they're going to look at that initial MEPS record and be like, wow, he was, he was textbookly healthy. Like he was the, the epitome of health. Yeah. And then now, wow, he's, really broken down and beat. Okay. (laughs) So what they're going to do is they're going to take you or they're going to make you all these appointments to get evaluated by those doctors. Now, again, while it makes it easier for me because they can already see, they're like, wow, he was already evaluated. And these doctors from our military already said that he had this. So for them, because I'd already had it on my medical records, like, oh, easy to confirm. Cool. Right. But now again, for somebody who never went to medical, whatever, all they're going to do is take you to the doctor. The doctor's going to look at you Say you claim your knees. He's going to look at your knees, maybe give you an MRI, maybe do whatever. 
oh, wow, it's calloused or yeah, you've torn your MCL twice and yeah. didn't even do anything about it or like what, it, like they're going to see the residual effects of that. And obviously like if you had knee issues before you joined the military, you wouldn't be able to join. Right. Like, that's why you <laughs> yeah, have to yeah, duck yeah. one. So, so they're going to see, they're like, oh, that's easily to put, like they're able to do them. Again, we talk bad about them a little bit here and there just because of the bureaucracy, but they do a good job for the most part of like, again, getting you evaluated. But sure you have to put in the work. You really do. Yeah. Um, and again, maybe that's where people's biggest complaints are, but you a hundred percent have to put in the work and be like, look, I want to see this doctor. I need to get this evaluated. Yeah. I need to get this evaluated. And there's people too, like, um, the PTSD thing you mentioned, right? They, you get a percentage for, uh, excuse me, like adjustment disorder. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So like, uh, I had friends that wrote me letters that were like, when he got back from the military, his attitude was different than when I went in. Right. Which it was like my social, like I kept myself a lot more. I wasn't as outgoing. Excuse me. Uh, I like, yeah, I just kept to myself. I kept a really small circle. Like it was hard yeah. for me to make friends. Like I said, I had to like, do the police for it. Like I was trying to just find that. And again, that was like a specific thing. So they, I think they gave me like anxiety or part of like PTSD or something for that too. Sure. As I said, there's so many levels to all these different things that yeah. it doesn't hurt you to claim it. Again, don't lie if, if nothing really doesn't bother you or doesn't hurt sure. you. Don't make something up because they're yeah. going to find that out. But if it's, again, anything that's ever bothered you, yeah, go. The worst thing they're going to say is, oh, sorry, like the doctor evaluated you doesn't. But again, it doesn't mean that later on if you find out that or you hurt it or twist your ankle mm-hmm. and or you hurt your knee that it wasn't a residual effect of a broken ankle that you had before. So like, again, they do sure. their due diligence, but again, they're not mind readers. You have to be willing to tell them everything that's wrong. Yeah. And also, you know, with, with PTSD or depression or anxiety, any of that type of stuff, it may not present itself right away. Absolutely. You know, like the, like you may, you may get out and, and Hey, maybe, maybe you're so amped up about the, the prospect of, you know, being free of the military and everything else and everything's, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. And then maybe the reality sets in later. Hey, that's still service connected issues. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. And uh, I'll give another example of, of a different one. So I, again, nothing in my medical records said anything about sleep apnea, but I knew, right. I have trouble sleeping. I wake up completely restless. I wake up several times a night and blah, blah, blah. Whether, whether I'm having, nightmares or not at all, whatever it may be. Right. So I, I put sleep apnea on the application. So they got me a sleep study done. Mm-hmm. Turns out I have sleep apnea. Right. So I'm like, okay, great. They, they agree. I have sleep apnea. That's a, that's a rating, right? And nope, there's no, we don't see any service connection for sleep apnea. Mm-hmm. I was like, what do you mean? Well, you just got diagnosed this, but it's, you know, you've been out for, I think it was like three months at the time or whatever. Yeah. I was like, you think that in the past three months, I just suddenly developed sleep apnea? Like, what, what do you think is causing the sleep apnea? And their their literal evaluation says it was obesity, <laughs> obesity caused or whatever, whatever the terminology is, right? Obesity causes sleep apnea. I was like... I don't know if anybody can, has seen you, but... Uh, <laughs> I mean, look, I'm not in the best shape of my life or anything, <laughs> but... Not even close. I don't think I have, like, restrictions in my breathing. No from fatness. Right. All right. Sorry. Um, but again, I kept pushing, I kept pushing. I talked to some people and they, they, uh, they recommended that I get a medical professional to write a, they call it a nexus letter. Mm-hmm. Um, and they referred me to some studies that were done that show a connection between PTSD and sleep apnea. And, um, as long as they follow a certain type of wording in the letter saying that there's basically, uh, 
they're saying that it is as likely as not to be caused by the PTSD than from any other source. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to be definitive. It doesn't have to say this is absolutely caused by PTSD. As long as they can professionally say that it's as likely as, to be PTSD as anything else, yeah. then that is sufficient enough to get a rating on. And that's how I that's how I got a rating for sleep apnea, even though I never had a diagnosis while I was active duty. Now, so for people who don't know, like how how did you find out to follow up on that? Like, what was your? Did you Google it? Like, how did you end up? Okay, figuring so out to keep we've fighting? been we've been trashing a lot of the customer service and everything, but that was actually advice that I got from the VA rep that really here in Panama City. Oh wow, that that helps people with claims. That's awesome. Then. Yeah, no, okay. I see. I, that, and I guess I take back. So I guess yeah, everybody's well, experience is different then. Look, I, 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 I've heard all the horror stories, you know, uh, and, and while I'm sure they're all true or not, well, at least most of them are true. I had a great experience oh, awesome. personally because I was, I mean, I was told to go to the specific person, mm-hmm. which I have been told that too. I'm sorry yeah. to cut you off, but sure. I've been told that exact same thing that it does truly matter who, who you go to. Like there are good ones that really like care about the veterans and do fight and don't care that they're working for the VA and like yep. don't care about the business. Like they are a hundred percent. I have sure. heard that. So shout out yeah. to that guy. Cause I have yeah. really heard that it does. It is person. Yeah, it was a, it was a lady who was a, um, she was a former air force and she had been doing this for, she was a, a bit older. She's been doing this for like 40 years or something like that. And I mean, she was spot. I, I literally just showed up with my medical record um, and she just combed through that thing and she, she was like, what, what do you want to claim? And I had a, you know, I had a little notepad with all the, the list of like a dozen things. Like again, throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Yeah, exactly. Right? If it ails you, write it down. And sure enough, um, for, for example, one of the, one, so my knees, my right knee is my worst knee, mm-hmm. right? That's the one that I know for a fact I had an MCL tear at some point and everything else, but my left knee is also jacked up, but I never got properly seen or no, no MRI or anything like that on it, yeah. but it was bothering me. And, and, but I wasn't sure at first. So I only put down, uh, my right knee. Well, as we were going through the list, he goes, Oh, well, what about your left knee? And I was like, well, I, I wasn't sure whether I should put it down or not, but it has been bothering me for the past couple of years. You know, it's not as bad as the right, but it, it certainly is, you know, an issue, but you know, it's not in my medical record or anything. She goes, well, hang on a second. And she combs through all these, you know, different different documentations from different times I've been seen while I was active duty. And she goes, ah, right here. It says that on this day in, you know, whatever <laughs> year, uh, they wrote down that you came in presenting with pain in the knees. And they said they wrote down plural yeah, knees, not right knee. And I was like, oh, shoot. And they're like, yeah, that's a service-connected injury right there. There like, you go. Well, damn. Okay. Yep. And sure enough, and and good because I I need to be seen for my left knee. It's pretty damn jacked up too. Yeah, that was like a very so the doctor that I went to wasn't from the VA, but he had all my medical records. Uh, I went I got to go to an outside provider because uh, I did mine all in California. Um, so when I got to do that, yeah, he had the same thing. So I was like, yeah, all, all my left knee, whatever, and like left ankle and right ankle, whatever. And he did the same thing. He like put it together. He's like, oh, well, let me, and combs through it. And same thing. He's like, oh, this says knees, plural. Okay. This says ankles, plural. Okay. And then even because of my ankles, like he, I think I claim he got, he wrote like hips for me too, because he's like, well, your hips and knees are, or your hips are connected to your knees and ankles. So if you have knee and ankle pain, that means your hips are probably hurting too. So I got like, I think I ended up getting like 
think it's like a residual thing on your thing. So it's, you don't get like a full percentage for it, but sure. it says like, like I could go to, but the difference is I might not get a percentage for my hips, but if I wasn't a hundred percent, I could still go to the VA and get seen for my hips. Right. Right. Because they a said 0% rate. That's another good point. Mm-hmm. A 0% rating is still a rating. Exactly. And it, you do get certain benefits Absolutely. even with a 0% rating. Yeah. So don't be discouraged still put in for it. Exactly. So, yeah. So like if I wanted to, I could go get seen for my hips and they're saying, even though nothing is directly wrong with my hips or I never like had anything because my ankles and knees are so bad, it puts more wear and tear on my hips. hundred percent. And same thing with like low back and things like that. So yep. that's why you go get seen and you, again, you let them, you just be, I know a lot of people like feel weird with doctors in general, like, Oh, I don't want to yeah. tell them everything, but this is the one time you tell them everything. Shotgun a lot of blast times, that thing. Yeah. And yeah. they will be like, oh, this helps. Especially again, if you have a good one and do your due diligence with people too. Again, like this is kind of why I wanted to come on this podcast because I wanted to tell people like, again, a lot of the stuff that I've learned, again, wasn't from the VA, wasn't from my classes. It was all friends. Like I've learned a lot from you. I've learned friends that again, from back home, from the Marine Corps and yep. different branches like that have all kind of guided me through this process. And Again, I don't think it should be like this, but it it's, it's just, it is, it is what it is. So you got to take advantage of all your resources and yep. my resources are my peers that have gone through it and had previous experience and either got denied or continued to fight like you and different things of look like, Hey, I deserve this. This is really bothering me. Like I, I want what I deserve. And that's, yeah, I, I've, and it's not just people that have past experience too. For example, I have helped people um, that I was working with, um, when I was working on base still mm-hmm. people that, that I gave advice, I helped, I helped get their, their rating. And a few of them even got, they've, they had been out for, I forget how long, almost a decade that they had been out mm-hmm. they had a rating. And, and I told them about it, you know, I, you know, I told them when I got my hundred percent and everything else. And, you know, I, 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 we, we talked about it and like, oh man, that's really good. I'm like, well, aren't you? And he's like, yeah, well, I'm at like 40. I was like, hang on a second. Cause I, I knew him pretty well. I was like, I know you got some injuries, like mm-hmm. probably more severe than even I have. Yeah. Right. At least indiv- individual ones that were pretty severe. Like there's no way, there's no way. So after talking to him, you know, I convinced them like, you gotta, you gotta go back and, and get this. Like, sh- okay, you won't get your back pay. So what? You got a lot of years left in you. Oh yeah. All right. Exactly. You know, and not to mention the extra benefits that you get if you somehow make it to hundred percent. Sure enough, this one particular guy ended up getting a hundred percent. And then he was the one that came back after the fact, because after he got his rating, he did his own research, talked to his friends and whatever. And he came out, he came back to work. He's like, Hey, do you have this? Do you have that? Do you have this? Like, no. What do you, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, well, if you're hundred percent disabled, you get X, Y, and Z. I was like, no one ever told me that. Yeah. So even someone that just got it may know of benefits that you have never heard of before. And for example, like he was the one that told me about, um, the, uh, in Florida, any Florida, um, airport, will allow a disabled veteran to park in their parking lot for free. Yeah, see, that's awesome. That's that's such a good... But that's I think, incredibly helpful. I think that's why... Saves you so much money. Oh, no, definitely. Like, I remember either... Still, like, I always Ubered or... And your orders, yeah. if you're stuck taking your car, you're paying that fee no matter what. If well, you got to bother someone to take exactly. the airport at 4.30 in the morning so you make a flight. <laughs> but I think that's why, like, 
so many veterans live in Florida because Florida is so veteran friendly, man. Yeah. Like the amount, again, you get your normal federal ones, which is usually, again, like your pay and uh, different like spousal thing. Like my wife, um, if she wants to go back to school, there's most schools have uh, certain programs where they like can pay her to go to school because of me being disabled and stuff like that. Those are federal, but different states have way different ones. Again, we came from California. California didn't really have much. Like they had some, but like, it's California. They're pretty strict on, they have high taxes. They have all of that stuff coming to Florida, man. Like, it, like I don't pay for my car, my vehicle register for one vehicle registration. You don't have to pay for Right. Um, I know, well, there's no income tax in general in Florida for anybody. So right. you don't have to pay that, which is pretty yeah. awesome. But then for my house or my property tax, because I'm a disabled veteran, you don't have to pay property taxes. So, I mean, like, if you're a disabled veteran out there, like I'm not trying to throw the pitch to Florida, but it's like, why would you not? Right. Yeah. Like, why would you not? And again, also cost of living, depending on where in Florida, where you're at is up there with pretty much any state yeah. too. So my 4,100 goes a lot longer here in Florida than it would in California. I mean, right. shoot California, like that's gone <laughs> yeah. like that. So, I mean, you're living in a shack. Yeah. There's <laughs> so just so many benefits to that. Um, again, and like you said, and just having a rating in general, like, uh, I know, uh, for certain or most federal jobs, you get um, pre- you get what's called veterans preference. Yep. Um, it's, they have different percentages, but you can max out at ten points of a preference, which is either you were a combat, I think it's combat veteran, or a wartime veteran that has like a campaign medal or campaign ribbon or something, and then you you also get ten points if you're thirty percent or higher disabled. Right. Exactly. Uh, but. But besides that, then you can get five points where if you need, even if you have your zero, like you said, zero disability rating, you're still a disabled veteran. So you can claim the five point preference exactly. on any of those federal jobs. Yep. So again, if me and some civilian are going head to head for a job and our qualifications are exactly the same, I'm going to get that job over him because I have veterans preference. Yep. Um, luckily, again, another benefit from the federal government to take care of the veterans is, is that again, because they know veterans get out, they struggle to find jobs or they struggle to find meaning. So they're trying to get you help any way they can. So as long as you have the qualifications, you go, you claim that because absolutely it's, it's huge. Like again, and then I think certain ones too, um, again, depending on your disability and whatever you can get, uh, there are certain jobs that you can, what is it? You can request, I think it's a right to first interview or something like that. Have you heard okay. of that? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, again, yeah. I think it's more for certain like specific disabilities. Yeah. But, yeah. And for those who don't understand about that, that, that point system, especially for, for federal jobs. And for me, they actually explained this to me in my TAPS or TGPS. Oh yeah, because I still it. don't know this. So this will be great. Yeah. So if you have a, if there's a job listing federal government, let's say that the, uh, the listing requires a bachelor's degree mm-hmm. and you don't have a bachelor's degree. Well, if you have those points, you are now on par with someone who does have a bachelor's degree. Wow. Right. That's how that works. So, it, and if you do have a bachelor's degree and you have those points, you are now considered before people that just come in with the bachelor's degree. Now, obviously there's, there's other things, mm-hmm. other wickets, you know, checks in the box for, for whatever the job listing is, Right. but the different point system, and I don't, I don't know how much, how much weight each point is yeah. or wh- whatever it is, but you can literally take a step up the rung if you don't... So if you find a job that you feel 
underqualified for on the terms of the job listing, it doesn't mean that you cannot get hired for that job. Mm-hmm. You still have an opportunity if you have those added benefits. Like you said, number one, veteran. I think that's something just being a veteran alone. Yep. And then disabled veteran with 0%, disabled veteran with 30 and then mm-hmm. one with, I think... I think over 30 is is the 10 point yeah is the is the is the max yeah it's like 30 like yeah 30 yeah. percent or more is or combat is. Yeah. or whatever the hell you mm-hmm. know so you can absolutely get you can get a job that you would think you're underqualified for now obviously don't don't take advantage of that you better <laughs> right. you know you better be qualified for the job like mm-hmm. as far as can you actually do it but well they'll teach you anyways right <laughs> i mean realistically yeah i mean <laughs> a bad <laughs> That's a whole other conversation yeah, right. about the, the actual weight of a bachelor's degree nowadays. Oh my is, is, gosh. You know, basically yeah. just, uh, all right, are you capable of learning? Yeah. Right. That's, yeah. And that's truly what they want. Which honestly, that's kind of the same thing as the military, right? Mm-hmm. Like clearly you are capable of learning some kind of skill because oh, yeah. you made it in the military long yeah, enough. Cause even like, I don't think people realize too in the military. Like, yeah, I mean, unless you, but even infantry, right? Like there is a school. So yeah. yeah, you go to basic training, but then there are schools on top of that. Like, so again, you went to EOD school, so you're a certified what, bomb technician, right? Isn't that right. like, I don't know what your actual certification would be called, but I'm sure it was something like you got a, piece, a certificate that says I'm now certified. Right. Whatever. Yeah. Um, so again, mine, like I, uh, I was a signals analyst, so I have two certificates that say like I'm a certified signals analyst. And I also got credit for college for that. Like, because they right. know how, cause like, so my school was considered what I think it was like one of the top 10, like hardest schools in the Navy because intelligence in general is hard. Right. So I think like networking is up there. Any of the intelligence ones are up there. I think EOD is up there. Nuke is up yeah. there. Yeah. Like all, those are all like what they consider very academic intensive. Yeah. Like you could be a PT stud, but you have to really study to know, to know what you're doing. So again, like a lot yeah. of those. Yeah. I got I, just like, from, just from having completed schools. And, and again, it, it's not, it doesn't just apply to those because there are some credits you can get from even basic schools, that is right? True, Cause yeah. you can, there's, there's credits you can get for, for physical fitness. Yeah. Like if you get, if there's a college <laughs> you know? class for badminton, you can definitely exactly. get more credits. So that's, for whatever. that's another thing that people need to remember is that the, regardless of what your MOS was or your, your rating was or whatever, that you are more than likely to have some amount of credits, mm-hmm. you know, like uh, even if it's just basic math or whatever, Hey, it's, that's one less class you got to take, Yeah, you know, or whatever. And then also, are you familiar with the CLEP pro- program? Yeah. in the Navy, I don't know if every branch has that though. I think only then, cause like Navy cool or no, every, sorry. I was thinking of Navy cool, but oh, yeah, yeah. 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 Navy cool, but CLEP. Yeah. You can literally test out of yeah, I forgot a about that. number of not necessarily like super basic classes, but like intermediate classes. Like if you're, if you can brush up on your high school, like I, I did it for, for math and science, I think, or whatever. Mm-hmm. If you can brush up on your, literally your high school level algebras yeah. and stuff like that and, and study for it real quick, you can take a test and now all of a sudden you got credits yeah. for, for that stuff. Well, and then I, I took advantage of that one. Yeah. And which is awesome. And then like, I forgot the Navy cool, which if people don't know what that is because it's only like a Navy program, I think. Um, basically like, yeah, you get college credit or certification or points for like, like almost like trades, it's like on the job training. Right. But you can turn it into like college credits or things like that or certifications. Like I know, uh, I had a buddy who was like, uh, 
uh, electrician basically. And he was able to basically become a journeyman electrician in the Navy. So like when he gets out, instead of just being like, Oh, I was a Navy electrician, he can get out and take his journeyman certificate. And now he's certified as a journeyman rather than like an apprentice or something, which is again, another really cool like opportunity and program that the military provides. A hundred percent. There's so many jobs that apply. So I feel like everybody kind of knows it about the medical field, Yeah, but I feel like it, it, it goes unnoticed when it comes to all those other jobs, I mean, the military has oh yeah, well, so many jobs that, that translate so well. For sure. And I've learned it more about the Air Force. Like it, like the Navy is probably second, I would say, uh, maybe the Army, but the Air Force, like any civilian job you can think of, the Air Force probably has it. Like right. I did not realize, like they have paralegals. They, oh yeah. They have like project managers. They have yeah. like all these different things that I just never knew existed. Construction, plumbing. Yeah. Like, like it's all like, a thing. It is a hundred percent. Like yeah. anything that you need in society is probably there. Firefighters. There. Yep. And like, and like the Navy has certain things of that, but again, like the Navy's more tailored to ship life. So you have sure. to, so it's, it's a little different, but yeah. But even that translates. It, and it does, it does. But like, I just know talking to more and more Air Force people, I'm like, wow, like it is like any civilian job, literally it is like identical yeah. to the certification that you get in the Air Force, which is. Yep. Save you a whole lot of time and it'll, it'll start you off at a better salary than without. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah. definitely got to take advantage of it. Yep. Good. So any other um, advice you would give to someone? Oh uh, yeah. So, the, I mean, the big one was that, and then, I mean, yeah, do your homework, be persistent. Like don't, uh, and don't be afraid. So like, this was a big one for me is if you served, you're entitled to some benefits. Like don't think that, Oh, I was in a combat vet. Cause this, this was the one that I, I, I and I still kind of struggle with. So let me ask you, do you think of me any different that I wasn't like a combat veteran, but I still am a hundred percent. No. Okay. No. I what, see it what, all the time. In fact, I think I think it, it it should help combat veterans get over that idea that because I, I struggled with that for a while mm-hmm. right like because I see I've seen you know I've known plenty of people that have you know much more traumatic injuries Absolutely. than I have and right that's right. Yep. and I think to myself okay well they got a hundred well I'm not that fucked up mm-hmm. so like I shouldn't get whatever but then I look back at, at other people like that were literally I mean we're talking yeoman. You know, or, yeah. or, or like other, and, and they also got messed up, Absolutely. you know, and it's like, well, if they can get it and, and these guys get it that were, you know, blown up and whatever, and I fall in between, they're like, okay, well, I should be entitled to it too. So it actually kind of helped me get over that. Oh, good. I know. Yeah. I've never looked at it that way. So that, yeah, that is a good way to look at it. But absolutely. I th- you absolutely deserve it. Yeah. But that's, uh, but I think like you, there is still those people out there, like you said, and cause we're constantly comparing each other, like the day everything's on Instagram, social media, whatever. So it's like, like you said, I'm, I, cause I've heard that phrase probably a million times is, oh, like, yeah, I'm messed up, but I'm not as messed up as that guy. Like I didn't lose my leg. I didn't lose an eye. I didn't no lose matter. an arm. Yeah. Well, look at the end of the day, the benefits are great. I'm not knocking the benefits. The money is actually pretty good, mm-hmm. but it's not like life changing work. Oh. Like I'm going to like live lavishly money. Oh like, no. Like, if it was like that, if a hundred percent meant that I'm like making seven figures, you know, or whatever, mm-hmm. like then I might feel guilty. No. Right. It, right. If the, if the comparison was like that, but realistically it's, it's a good help. Absolutely. To get through the rest of your life when you have committed more than most Americans have mm-hmm. to actually serving this country. Yeah. So there is a debt there to be paid. Oh, for sure. And the benefits are there again. So because back in the, I mean, they're trying to keep veterans from committing suicide, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, cause think about it. So 
for however many years you served, you had a purpose. Your purpose was to serve the mission. Your purpose was this. So now you get out and say, yeah, you really are that person that doesn't have a leg or doesn't have an arm or you really struggle with anxiety, depression, PTSD. So maybe you truly cannot get a job anywhere. Like, or you don't want to flip, excuse me, flip burgers or something, but like you need a purpose. So that money is meant for you to support your family. So you feel like you, uh, you still have a purpose in life, right? Like right. if my wife is out being a nurse or out uh, a photographer, like whatever my wife does, like she's got a job and like, and maybe again, maybe I truly can't because of my disabilities. So I, I still want to feel like I'm contributing to the family. Like if I wasn't getting sure. anything for sitting there, I like, I probably would to be honest. And like, I probably would have taken my life. That, like if I did, if, if I didn't have a purpose and wasn't getting like, and my wife was out here working and she was being the breadwinner and like, Again, my wife wouldn't make me feel bad about it, but it was just yeah. like I- intrinsically, right? We're all, we're still motivated. Like, Doesn't matter. And again, I know this new age, but as a male, you still want to provide for your family. Like, I don't care. 100%. Like, I'm going to do yeah. whatever it takes and I'll figure it out and I'm going to provide for my family. So like, again, I've lately, I've been struggling and going through these things of trying to find a job and different career and what I really want to do. But if I didn't have this money, like, again, like, I don't know. Like there, cause there are days where I really struggle. Cause my, again, my wife's making money, my wife's doing things and I'm just kind of stuck what am I good for? What what am I going to do? And that's a great perspective. That yeah. is what that money is for. So, to like, so those guys are still here. Like, hey, look, you still have a purpose. You're still making money. Like, yeah, you might not be able to go do whatever you want to do anymore, but like, you can take that money and again start a business, start yeah. whatever. And it, it's meant to give it's those a people cushion. a purpose. Yes, it's exactly. A and that, yeah, you know what? I, I never thought about it that way, but yeah. that is. That's a great way of looking at it. Yeah, it know? just, it's, I mean, it, it's got to be there. And like you said, it's not, it's not, again, meant for me to go be flying to Italy and doing yeah. all these crazy trips. It's just literally meant for me to survive. Yeah. Yeah. And, I'm not using it to buy a yacht. Here. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm, I'm paying my mortgage. Yeah. <laughs> no, and, and that's exactly what it is. And people, yeah. again, are affected in different ways um, by uh, whatever different thing it may be. And again, truthfully, yeah. it can affect you getting it. And so, I don't want to get it confused either because technically nobody can stop you from getting a job. Like I think right. there's on any job application, they ask you like, are you disabled or whatever? It's the, the American disability. Act. Like they can't ask you specifically and they can't discriminate against you because you are disabled. Yeah. But again, like if it's, Hey, I need you to load or I need you to go to uh, load this truck up or I, or let's just use, or I need you to roof a house, put shingles down. Like if you truly don't have an arm or a leg or whatever, yeah, you're yeah, not yeah. going to be like, it's not, not that they're discriminating. You just truly cannot do that job. Right, right, and so, right. and there's tons of jobs out there that are like that. Or again, like if you have PTSD and it really messes with you, maybe you can't, you really can't sit in an office and do a desk job because you might not be able to work with your coworkers or something like that. Like those are things that are truly out there. And again, it's not that they're discriminating against you because I know plenty of people too that are hundred percent disabled and they have full-time jobs yeah. and that again, and that is used as a supplement to their income. But again, they, they have other things that they need to take care of, or maybe they like they need to get a wheelchair ramp for their house sure. or something like that. So I, I don't want people to think that just because you are hundred percent or any type of um, military service connected disability, you can't get a job because again, they can't use it against you. Absolutely. But there are truthfully jobs out there that you just physically obviously cannot do based off of that. Yeah. I'm, I'm a perfect example of that. I, I was hundred percent disabled. I still had a job even with, I mean, not f- directly for the federal government. I was a contractor, Yeah, but I was working as a contractor for the federal government. And to be honest, I took a pay cut. Yeah. Leaving because, you know, with your D, you know, we get a lot of extra like special pays and, and whatever right. for, for diving, jumping, explosive, all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I got out and got 
a full-time job, even as a contractor for the government, which, you know, they pay pretty well, it was still a pay cut. Yeah. So that disability helped fill that gap, Mm -hmm. you know? So yeah, just like you said, it doesn't, it it will not preclude you from it. You can still work as much as you possibly need to or want to. Yeah. Cause that was something that truthfully, again, why I waited like a year or two before mine. Cause I, I was afraid of that. Like I was just like, man, I'm not gonna be able to get a job. Like I'm going to be disabled. Like they're going to look at this and be like, well, you can't do this. Like I'm going to get evaluated. And like, no, it's never once affected me from applying or anything. Um, yeah, it's been definitely, definitely been a blessing, but yeah, it has not there's not one thing that I feel like I haven't been able to do again, unless I physically cannot do it because of whatever the disability is. Yeah. So, um, so the other thing I wanted to ask you, uh, is what advice would you give? Cause I'm sure you've heard, you know, people ask you or whatever, but, um, we, we talked about it briefly uh, a while ago. What advice would you give to someone who's considering serving? Oh, um, my wife and I were actually talking about that on the way over here. I would tell everybody, like I have a five-year-old daughter when she's up for the time for college. I'm, and if she wants to go to college, like I'm not going to force her to go anything, but I'm going to give her my fatherly advice of join the military. Um, the benefit, well, one, just growing up, especially as a man, woman, whatever. Um, like it, it made me grow up. You grow up fast because you have to learn how to take care of yourself. You get bills, you get, I mean, well, realistically, you don't have to, like, I know, I know plenty of people that maybe had like a, or that still are probably were on their parents' phone bill and then lived in the barracks and ate and they never, they didn't have any bills and it was fine. And they, they lived happily and they made, they saved a lot of money and they were good. But realistically, again, like having to, um, go through boot camp, they, they do, they break you down, but then they build you back up. So you are much more functional, much more, um, uh, goal oriented, self starter. There's just so many benefits. And again, like you want, you can do your minimum four years, get out. And I guarantee you, you're going to have a lot more success getting a job than somebody else. Now, obviously if you're not qualified for it at all, but right. again, if you have similar qualifications and they're like, wow, this guy who's just went straight to college has no real life experience or this person that, wow, they still got their degree. They went to the military. They've traveled all these. Places. Wow. Like, I mean, you can ask anybody, they're going to take that person nine times out of 10. Um, another huge thing for me is the debt, right? Like school is not going anywhere, right? Schools are going to be around. They're not disappearing. So why can't you go your four years to the military and you'll get a free education? Like people talk about school should be free and all that. It is, it was for me. I'm sure it was, (laughs) if you wanted to, it it was for you. It's going to be for whoever else joins the military. As long as you get honorably discharged, like it's free. Actually, it's not even free. They pay you to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, it's better than free. It's better than free. Yeah. Like it's it's a jo- it really is a job. Like I don't know. First, sc- I always struggled in school. Like I really did. I was never like I never thought I wanted to go to school after high school. I was like, man, like I'm over this. Like whatever. And then it's different. It's different when somebody makes you go to school, and then it's different when they're paying you to go to school. Right? Like my yep. motivation is way different now because. Again, if I fail this class, then I have to pay it back. Yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. how it works. But, yeah. but yeah. so I'm like, wow, my motivation is way different. Um, so yeah, so you have that aspect. Not to mention you're, you're, you're going to school as a more mature person. Oh, exactly. Yeah. That's another huge part. Like, I think that's again, why I like grew up, I grew up and was like, wow, I don't need, like I, I can do this. Cause I still, I think I probably have ADD and like all these issues when I, when I was a kid. Who doesn't? Yeah. Right. But like, I really couldn't focus. And then now, man, it's like, uh, my, I just finished my last three classes. I was taking them together, writing papers. Like I was just knocking it out. I'm like, like I literally like look at my wife and I'm like, who am I? Like, <laughs> this is not me. This, I never thought this would be me. Like, 
But again, you grow up, you, again, you learn how to be a student. I probably learned how to be a student from the military. Cause again, if I don't get through that signal school, if I don't get through certain schools, like then I'm going to be stuck doing the worst job in the Navy. <laughs> like it just, it's the fact. Um, yeah. so I think the, the benefits are just so, so much outweigh the negatives. Cause again, like, and if you think about it in the grand scheme of things too, like what is, if you want to do the bare minimum, what is four years of your life? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like, oh, in the grand scheme. I, in the grand scheme of things. I mean, okay, cool. Four years is college, but again, even in the, while you're in the military, you can still do college. So say you don't want to wait for four years and do your GI bill. Like as long as you go to your first command and get qualified and everything you need to get qualified, they have what's called tuition assistance. So you can start taking, knocking out some of your classes already. Um, so when you get out, cool. Like you may already have, an you can take them one at a time. Yeah. You can, uh, you can, you may already have an associates by the time you get out. And then we, a couple of that associates with, they call it your JST, your joint service transcript or something like that. Um, again, which is what we talked about earlier. You get credits for the most basic stuff like your PT, yeah. uh, whatever schools you went to leadership. Yeah. Your leadership, um, CPR, like all these different things you can yeah. get, you can get credits for. Uh, so again, you may only need to take a handful of classes for your bachelor's when you get out. Like it's, it, it's just, cause again, when I got out, I had my associates. So then I only needed to take my concentration classes to finish my bachelor's. So just, yeah, so many benefits. Um, and then, I mean, think about it, right. Unless, unless you're going to college with a scholarship, you're coming out with debt. Yeah. Like my, uh, my wife, we were even, she, I think she went two years before she met me. Um, cause luckily university of Hawaii, where she graduated from had like a military program. So she, we got super discounted tuition. So it wasn't too bad, but even then I think she still had like 30 or $40,000 in debt. Yeah. And that's what I mean. It's like, you that's have, no joke. Yeah. And again, depending on what you're, what it is, or going to go law school or doctor or anything like you're going to have hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt that you have to do. And what's cool about the GI bill is, uh, it's, well, the baseline is 36 yeah, it's 36 months um, of tuition. So they pay the tuition, whatever school, and then you get paid for it based off of your where you're going to school. So if, you, if you're if you online, they do an average of, yeah, they take, they take the average over the U.S. and they pay you for that. So like I was taking it online so that they considered the average to be $800. So I was making $800. But I had friends that would go to school. If you take one class at that specific location, you get that BAH. So- Nice. I had friends in California where it's cost of living is very expensive that would take all their classes online and they lived, they lived like 30, 45 minutes outside of San Francisco and they would take one class a week in San Francisco. So San Francisco, I don't know if it still is, but then was like $4,500 in BAH. Woo. Yeah. So it's like, that's, I think it's one of the highest in the U.S. Not so bad. Yeah. So you're making that and then say you got disability on top of it too. Like you're making 8,500 if you were hundred percent disabled right. yeah. just to go to school. Like, like you literally don't have to do anything. You take yep. your one class, like, whew, that's, I mean, California, it's still not that much, but yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but still, so you have all that again, no debt. Um, and if you are any disability rating, all the benefits you get with that, that we kind of talked about, like you said, like the, the parking, the registration, the car stuff, again, those, can vary from state to state, tax incentives. Um, but tax incentives, even like businesses. Like I know so many people, there's so many, um, perks to like having a small business as a veteran, like veteran owned businesses. I know there's tax exemptions for it. I'm pretty sure. And then, um, depending on what banks, I know banks are more likely to give loans to that person too. Again, because I think society can look at the military however they want, but most people know that it is, that, if that person is coming from the military, they are driven somehow. 
Like right. if I ask them to do something, the odds are that I would say 98% of them are going to get it done and they're going to get it done quickly and effectively. Yep. And there's a few turds in there. Yeah. Hey, that's why I said not a hundred percent. Leave some space for error. But, yep. but yeah, for the most part, like if I say, Hey man, like uh, I need this done by this date, you're gonna be like, I don't know how we're going to get it done on that date maybe, but we're, we're going to get it done as soon as possible yeah. or we're going to figure it out. Uh, and so I think a lot of companies and a lot of people just really, truly respect that. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's just, it is, it's just a respectable thing. And the other thing I'll say too, like the training, right? So I don't know how many jobs you can already be certified just by getting out of the military, Again, electrician, paralegal, um, nurses, doctors, pilots. I mean, probably anything. Literally, yeah. you think of the job, you can get certified for it in the military. Dental assistance. Yeah, dental assistance. Yep. So you and and I don't know if people real, realize this or don't. The the certifications in the military are the exact same as outside. The only difference on some of them is you may have to get qualified in that state. Right. So, like again, say you. Whatever, wherever your school was in Texas or something, like you get certified, cool, you might be nationally certified, military recognized, but then when you get out or separate, you want to live in Florida. You just may have to do whatever it takes to get certified in Florida, but they still recognize your certificate. They're like, cool, so now all you got to do is like take our test or do whatever it yeah. is, which is usually fairly simple. Mm -hmm. But, and like, yeah, EMT, like any of that, those certifications are the exact same. So you can get out with a certification of whatever you want to do, still continue to go to school, get paid to go to school. If you are disabled get disabled pay and then say whatever say you love it you just can't get enough of it you do your 20 years 20 years so if i would have did 20 years what I, I joined at 21 i could excuse me retire at 42 42 years old somebody's gonna retire excuse me. or again if they joined at 18 whatever it is yeah 20 years and you can retire so then you can get and then at that point you get a retirement yep still get your gi bill or whatever if you want if you hadn't already completed a, a degree disability. I mean, that's three, almost four sources of income just by in 20 years. So at 40, yeah. 40 is still fairly, I mean, pretty young, right? Like, yeah, most you can start a whole new career at 40. <laughs> yeah. And still, but you don't have to. Exactly. Cause you're going to be living good. So yeah, cool. You might work your butt off for 20 years, but you get out, you, you might, you might miss out on a lot of stuff like your kids, all that. But when you finally get out at 40 or 41, whatever it is, I mean, you can travel, you can take your family wherever, cause you're going to be making plenty of money. Yeah. And that's again, that, without your wife what, what what if your wife's working then you have that income coming in too but she doesn't she probably doesn't have to or he doesn't have to like so many benefits again yeah talked about them till i'm blue in the face but there's yeah. just so many things and then even back to the gi bill um i think 36 months but then if you do like what they call stem any of the stem programs you can get an extension on that to make it 48 months wow yeah and then they even have yellow ribbon schools like i said man there's just so yeah. many things you could go on you could make a whole nother podcast just yeah. about those benefits and that's not even touching on the intangibles yeah you know the fact that you are i mean number one let's just say serving your country and being a part of something bigger than yourself yeah absolutely has its own benefits psychologically to begin with yeah but also the camaraderie, mm -hmm. the the variety of people you will meet. Oh, it's the most, exposure. I mean, most people in America, they are, they grow up and they stay exactly where they were born. Mm -hmm. They never travel. They don't meet people from other cultures and everything. You don't have that luxury when you're in the military. No, Everyone in, around you is from somewhere else. The most diverse workforce I've ever been in. Like, I mean, 100%. 100%. Gay, trans, black, white, yellow, brown, doesn't matter Foreign. who you are. And we're all working for the same mission. Like I had never looked 
once looked at somebody and was like, oh, I don't know. Yep. Like, you're weird. Ooh, get away. Like, no, it's like, oh, cool. We're working on the same mission, dude. Like, cool. there's, there's been that meme that goes around all the time where like, you, you'll see, you'll see like these people you know, going out together and there's like one dude in a, in a cowboy hat, jeans and a, you know, whatever. And then oh, there's yeah. like the, the dude that looks like he's in a hip hop video. And then like, you know, like all these various different people, you know, someone is in like a suit almost or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's like, What's up with that group? Like, well, they're in the military. Yep. It, hands down. hundred percent. And they're probably the closest friends you'll ever meet. And they don't look like they have anything in common. Yeah. But they do. They do have one thing in common, yep. you know? And then on top of that, the opportunity to travel mm-hmm. and be paid to yeah. travel the world. I'll say that was a big thing for me. Like, <sighs> Talk about perspective on life, mm-hmm. especially if you get to go to, I mean, you'll get the chances to go to some of the richest places in the world and then some of the poorest places in the world. Oh, absolutely. And that, it, to me, it was probably the one of the biggest benefits psychologically mm-hmm. is just having that perspective, you know, that, that you, you cannot get any other way. Yep. You can read about it in a book. You can watch a video about it on YouTube. You can watch a documentary, whatever. Nothing compares to experiencing it firsthand. Yeah, and different cultures. Like when I went to Japan, it was like a huge, like cult, almost culture shock because yeah. like it is. There's so many people. They like for us, like tattoos are normal, but tattoos <laughs> for them, you can't show your. You're not supposed to show right. your tattoos when you go out there because it could be a symbol that you're with the was it the yakuza, the gang. Or right. The, yeah. Yeah. So like, even if you go to the beach, like I have tattoos that you can't see in my shirt, but if I go to the beach, like you have to have your shirt on because again, you can't show tattoos there. Like crazy and everybody's super friendly and nice but again like it's just it's a weird thing um i mean and they keep to themselves like they're not you know how americans be loud and boisterous but (laughs) for most part like they keep to themselves they're just doing their own thing like in their own world and but it was awesome like because how many times can you say you've been like dispersed in a whole nother culture And, and and that's what's nice about the diversity too is like you're uh like you're learning from all these people but then to actually like go to Japan and be immersed in that culture was just, was incredible. And yep. like, I would have never been able to do that without the military. And then also like traveling again, small town in Ohio, like there's nothing there. I love Ohio. I'm an Ohio state fan. Like I'll always rep Ohio t- probably till I die. But like, it is one of those things that like, I got to get out of here. Yeah. And at least for a while. Yeah. You, know, you can always come back. Oh, exactly. It's not going anywhere. It's temporary anyway. <laughs> yeah. Right. It's not your entire life doing it. And but- I've been to DC, Hawaii, Chicago, I'm Florida, California. Like, I mean, yeah. I've got to go all Japan. over. Japan, yeah. I yeah. mean, Japan, Guam. Yep. Yeah. I, and there's places. And I'm, I'm telling you, if I would have never joined the military, I guarantee I would never have left Ohio. Yeah. Like I would have still been that. There's that very that, little chance I would have ever gone to Buenos Aires. Yeah. Without the military telling me, oh, you're going to go spend two weeks there. Yeah. I had a two week paid trip <laughs> to Buenos Aires. Yeah. You know, and I, I mean, I had to work, but let's face it, the work wasn't that bad. Exactly. You yeah. know. Uh, you know. D- Korea, I mean, Japan as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Afghanistan, I mean, obviously that's wartime, but we also got to experience the locals. Yeah. You know, we made really good friends with the interpreters there and they would, you know, help us get around out in town and we'd like eat the local food or whatever. I went to Kyrgyzstan, you know, we stopped in at Germany and Spain. And I mean, there's no way I would have done it all on my own at that age too. Yep. You know, like how many, how many 20 something year olds, you know, that have gone to all those places. There's a few sure, yeah. you know, but not getting paid to do it. No, exactly. Yeah. And yeah. And that, that is stuff that you're going to hold with you. And that goes to that like life experience thing. Like, again, do you want this 18 year old 
out of high school or out of college that has done nothing but stay on the right track, go straight from high school to college to whatever job and you, and again, like, how do I know that they're going to survive at this fortune 500 company? Like, Oh wow, cool. They did exactly what they were supposed to do and did all this. Or again, the military person, and again, I'm not a recruiter. I'm not a <laughs> hirer. I'm not any of this. Like, uh, I don't, I don't know how people think, but I've just assumed that like, again, if I had candidates, I'm like, wow, this dude has been all over. He's done all kinds of stuff. Like, I'd rather pick him to be honest, to, to work for me than the person that went straight from high school to straight to college and yep. maybe got straight A's the whole time. But I'm like, but what have you really done? Like you should do that. You, you're focused. Like you've done nothing else. Again, no offense to these people, but like you've done nothing else with your life, but focus on school. Right? Like I want the person who's overcame a little bit of adversity. Like yeah. maybe again, was working in the military while he got his degree and did this. And like, there's just so many things more that, like you said, those intangibles, that again, if I was starting a business and hired somebody, I'd rather hire somebody with those intangibles rather than just the basic degree. And at, at the very least, you'll know with 95% certainty that they'll show up on time every day. And that is very <laughs> true. That is very true. And they'll probably be 15 minutes early or 15 yeah. before the 15 yeah, 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 minutes yeah, yeah. early. Like they exactly. always tell you. My wife hates that about me. Oh, dude. If, I, if there's I, if there's like a, a an event to go to, like I'm trying to rush everybody out the house. I get anxiety. Like, it starts at six, but you know, we can show up whenever. Like, no, they said six. Dude, <laughs> I get such bad anxiety. Like what if I'm like, so I'll plan it out. And I, I just, I guess I, again, from the military, like if I'm planning something, like I'll just tell my wife like 30 minutes to an hour before the actual. So like 100%. if somebody's like, oh yeah, party starts at two. My wife thinks it starts at one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, unless yeah. she like talks to somebody else, she's they're like, oh yeah, what time are you going to the party? And she'll be like one, and then like I've had it happen. Before. Though she'll like see friends and I'm like and the party doesn't start till two. And she's like, well, Austin told me one. And I'm like, That's one, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> it is. It just like if oh, I'm what about traffic? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like if I'm late, it gives me anxiety. Like my niece, I dropped her off to the airport the other day, and like I thought in my head we're late because they so what time? Oh, they had to be there. They're or they had to be there at seven. Their plane left at like eight. So I was like, uh, Destin airport. Like it's fine. Yeah. Get them out an hour early. And like, so I'm up at like five 30 ready <laughs> to go out the door by like six. Yeah. And then like they're 18 years old. They just graduated. So they came down here and like, I saw there, I hear their alarm go off, but they're not up. So I'm like waking them up. Like, Hey, come on. Like, we got to go. Like, we got to go. It's like, you got like 10 minutes to get ready. They don't get ready till like, we don't leave the house till probably like six 30. Oh no. But no, we got, but because I'm so ingrained to be there early, yeah. we were, they, we still got there in plenty of time. Right. Like they still got there. They had probably like in, still an hour before. Cause you flight. told them 10 minutes when realistically they had like an hour. Exactly. Yeah. And in my head, I had already planned to be there like an hour before, like they needed to be there. It's a wild thing. In hindsight, that might be a little bit of PTSD. <laughs> <laughs> probably, yeah, right. It probably is. Like, I'm so terrified for to be getting late. beat down <laughs> yeah. for showing yeah. up five minutes early because it's yeah. not early enough. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to kick you out of the military because you're five minutes late. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, but, all right, man. Well, I think uh, this has been a great conversation. Yeah, dude. Uh, I think we have a whole lot more to talk about. For sure, dude. Uh, so we'll definitely have to do another one. Hopefully soon. I'm not working. <laughs> I'll come back whenever. This is my job right now. Yeah, so this is great. Pretty good gig, man. I like it. Thanks for All having right, me man. on. I appreciate it. Yeah, I appreciate it.